Boomer, I need you to settle. I need you to settle. Settle. Set. Oh my god. Like my dating life. <laughs> this bitch. Come here. Come here. Come here. Get your claws out of me. We're oh gonna cuddle it out aggressive style. Here we go. Also like my dating life. <laughs> <laughs> aggressive cuddling. Sometimes she just needs to be held like a baby until she gets over it. She's adorbs. And, you know, same. Sometimes I just need to be held like a baby until I get over it. I have nothing to say. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag relatable. So what did you want to, you, you said you had something to talk about. What do you got? Uh, okay. So my partner is super into moisturizing, like super, okay. like wow. for me, I have my face cream, my body cream, my, you know, chapstick cream and that's it. Right. Right. Oh, wait, he has more than that. He has the foot cream, the ankle oh cream, the under the eye circle cream. This is just inefficient. The skull cream. Like, Cause he's bald. You know, you have to have special cream well, for that. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I hope he's also using sunscreen. Like all of this has SPF. There, in all it. of it is okay. is sunscreen, and he also has elbow and knee, knee cream. Pro- Are, is it two products, or is it one product for both elbows and knees? Uh, separate products. Wow. So we're talking about 10, 12 bottles. Okay, but here's the thing: elbow skin. Elbow skin is so fucking weird. Yeah. It's like it's like scrotum skin got lost. Yeah. And wandered to the bend in your arm. Oh, and right? the ball cream. I forgot about that, too. And there's ball cream. Of course. Well, I mean, uh, but yeah, so my lips were chapped, right? Mm-hmm. And he wasn't like, just get some, here, put your lips on my elbow and get some of this uh, right here. Well, he wasn't here. He was getting his haircut. So okay. I walked in the room. I quickly grabbed what I thought was the uh, chapstick uh, oh, no. one. It was not. It was was the, it the ball one? It was the foot one. <laughs> um now there's a weird flavor on my lips that i can only describe as really bad ky lube which is Ew. a flavor i'm familiar with uh-huh. um but my lips have no circles around them right now <laughs> <laughs> it was really effective just not very it was tasty. super effective <laughs> yeah so i'm not making out tonight apparently because i can't get the flavor out of my 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 lips you know, there's so- soap and water will do that. I tried. You just have to go back I, in I, with I, chapstick. I took a shower twice. You don't need to wash your whole body just to wash your mouth. Uh, but I have one of those like faucets that like sandblast your face, and I figure, like, pff, like it would get it all out. Okay, yeah. I think I. You know what? You're gonna make out tonight anyway. It's gonna be fine. I'm just gonna tell him I have a KY jelly fetish. <laughs> You're not going to tell him the the whole long walk through your partner's moisturizer and maybe a- you know for, for, first impressions are very important. You know, <laughs> is this your first date with this guy? A second, well, Aww. my first official. That's adorable. I know. I'm happy. You go I'm have excited. fun. You look adorable tonight. You look great. I know. I know. And we're going to see Wakanda forever. I'm going to see it for the second time. So, Yay. ooh, yeah. I'll see it when it comes out on Disney Plus. In a month and a half. Yay. All the spoilers have already happened. I I know. I'm so sorry. Um, (sighs) 
Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. They go to Camino. <laughs> they go to Camino, which is weird because it's the MCU. It's a different fucking universe. Well, you yeah. know, mu- multiverse. Multiverse. <laughs> multiverse. Multiverse. Um, cool. Do you have anything else? I, I, I am good. <clears throat> so, we're going to do a podcast today. Yes. Shall we intro that podcast? Let's do it. I'm ready. Are you all ready? Right. Uh, my body is ready. Um, <laughs> Never get Hey, told. everybody. Stop. Stop. I'm sorry. Are you done? Stop. Yes. I'm going to talk now. I'm going to do the intro now. God. Okay. Here we go. I mean, I'm just saying that. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Steph. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to Dark Side Divas. Dark Side Divas. God damn it. You did this to me. This at least is you your didn't. Fault. Okay. At least you didn't say Ahsoka fucking taco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Take two. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back to Marvelous Divas, the podcast where a woman and a gay man express their opinions about Marvel and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Stephanie, I'm the woman half of the show. I don't have anything else on that. You know what? Just start talking. You okay, know fine, Just fine. Go. I, I've, go. I have zero expectations now. Hey everybody, yeah. I'm Chris. I am that gay, longing, rusted, 17, daybreak, furnace, <laughs> nine, benign, homecoming one, freight car, gay man. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and uh, Steph, huh. fire in the hole. <laughs> when was there a fire in the? Oh no, that was Rumlow. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that's yeah. the only amusing comment in the whole fucking part of the Look, movie. Look, this isn't a comedy. About. There's no. some wit here and there, but this is not the when it, and talk about your tonal shift from the last movie. Um, do you have? Speaking of movies and stuff, before we get into what we're here to talk about, I have a couple of things to address uh, from last episode. Do you have anything? I have a I have a big thing to address. Oh, do you now? Oh, you were talking about the podcast. Yeah, yeah I was actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually do have a thing I want to address. Okay, okay. Um, so uh, I'll I'll go first. Yeah, I'll do one. Okay. So uh, remember the tank from yeah. Ant Man? The yeah. tank. Yeah. And how we were like, where the fuck did he even get the tank? Yeah. Well, I found out where they got the tank. Where did they get the tank? Uh, it turns out if you just look up the shrunken tank on the Marvel Wiki, they will point <laughs> out that the tank, once it's enlarged, you can see very clearly it has a number 153 on it. Uh, and if you go back to the archive footage that Darren Cross found of the Ant-Man uh, doing Cold War shit, I believe it was in Panama. Panama. One of those tanks. Sorry. One of those tanks. Had a one five three on it. Hank brought a tank home with him from that mission. I imagine if you're, you know, Ant Man or Hank or whatever, the uh, the amount of stuff you can collect is pretty just, unbelievable. Just thievery, just the, all just, over the place. Complete- <laughs> That's Honey, why, why he's so I- comfortable hiring a burglar. I know because he's like, I got it. Like, if you open up one of his drawers, there's a stealth bomber. There's a yeah, you know, you know, just walking train. through military bases, walking out with whole arsenals. Why yeah, not? Why not? Fuck why it. not? Um, so, yeah, there's that. Also, uh, correction. <clears throat> when I was talking about how they did the effect of the tank crashing through the wall, I said that the model tank that they built for that effect was two and a half tons. I was incorrect. Oh, it was three tons. So heavier. <laughs> Yeah, and they didn't swing it through with a crane. They launched it at 25 miles an hour through that wall. <laughs> they launched a three-ton... A three-ton tank. A three-ton fake tank. 
Through a a three-ton hunk of metal somehow managed to launch it about 25 miles an hour through a wall. Well, that sounds like the kind of stunt where nothing can go wrong. (laughs) Yeah. You (laughs) get one take. Oh, my God. One. That's incredible. I love them so much. Uh, Anyway, I have another thing from last time. Did you want to do your thing or do you want me to do my thing? No, do your thing. Okay. So last time we stated that uh, Scott Lang has difficulty fitting in with the Avengers because they're all so goddamn angsty, right? Right. And how he is too mentally well for them to enjoy his presence. Right. There is one exception. Oh. That is Sam Wilson. Sam goes to therapy. Sam is therapy. He counsels veterans with PTSD. That's true. Sam has big, sexy, I go to therapy energy. Uh, so mm-hmm. no, he's fine. If he has any problem with Scott, it's just a personal dislike. It's not because of mental health. But everybody else, y'all broken. I love you. <laughs> but y'all are broken. Go to therapy. Well, I don't think. I also don't think Sam treats him as bad as the others. He doesn't. Yeah. Sam doesn't treat anybody badly. No, he doesn't. Sam. Sam's a fucking. He's such a fucking dreamboat. I love Sam. I know. Hmm. Hmm. On all the levels. Okay. So what have you got? So look, we've. We've talked about a moment, This and the moment is here on both of our podcasts. We said mm-hmm. that this would be inevitable, and it was a matter of which one of us was going to have to do it first. Well, it turns out it's going to have to be me, Steph. Oh, God. What? Apparently. You're uh, pregnant. I am. <laughs> I w- hopefully later. Um, <laughs> hey, yo. Uh, no, look. Um, I made a joke last episode. <laughs> That hurt, uh-huh. a, that hurt a lot of people's feelings, apparently. Okay. Um, you know, despite the fact that we have made crude sex jokes, <laughs> laughed about death and destruction and chaos and all kinds of what? stuff. What am I missing? I don't remember you saying anything bad. Right. Exactly. Okay. Um, okay. But listen, uh, people love a digital winged ant. A whole lot. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. They're right. You're a monster. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So I am now issuing a formal apology. (laughs) To fans of Antony? To fans of Antony. I am sorry that their life priorities are so fucking out of whack. (laughs) 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 That a digital ant is what... What got them all in a in a in a huff? Um, I I don't know. I feel like in this day and age, that's actually excellent. That those glorious priorities. <laughs> Go ahead, be mad, be mad about the CG ant. <laughs> we'll have to agree to disagree. But no, in all seriousness, I love the fact that people were giving me shit about it. Uh, yeah. Once yeah. again, we have the best listeners ever, and uh, it's true. <clears throat> fuck y'all. Anyway, <laughs> <move on. laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. All right. So are we ready to get into this movie today? Yeah. We're right. uh, talking about Ragnarok, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what we're doing on this podcast is we are watching through the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe in chronological order, which means we started with Captain America, the first Avenger, and we find ourselves today in Captain America Civil War. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh Civil War is set and was released in 2016. So we're still like lined up in the timeline, which is cute because we're going to fuck that all up later. Yeah. Um, uh, Shall we talk about the behind the scenes of this film before we dive in? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, So 
the directors, plural, yep. of this movie, the Russo brothers are back. Anthony and Joe. Hey, boys. Hey. You made such a good movie your last time. <laughs> uh, they did. They did. <laughs> I love it. The last, the last time we saw them in the MCU was they directed Captain America the Winter Soldier. Um, and this is their first time taking on like a true ensemble MCU movie. And this is our first time covering an ensemble Avengers movie, uh, since the last one was directed by a monster. So I don't know her. No, (laughs) no disavowed. Um, just a refresher course on the Russo brothers prior to this, they did a lot of work with arrested development, happy endings, community, and a lot of alumni from those shows will be making appearances in this movie. Oh, absolutely. um, Look, I can't name them all. I'm not super familiar with those shows. Uh, if you like those shows and you watch this movie, enjoy. They're there. <laughs> as far as the writers uh, for this movie, it's Marcus and McFeely. I've heard their names before. Hmm. You have. They're the Agent Carter dream team. I know. They they, they did Thor the Dark World. <laughs> Which, Who? Look, sorry, I what? can't blame. Uh, you know what? You're right. Uh, and also... <laughs> Captain America, the Winter Soldier. This, this, these four guys fucking love to work together. And Luis Desposito, I believe, is the producer of this. So it's all of them. Like we're starting to build the MCU dream team for these movies. It's fucking great. Yeah. Um, so, uh, y'all, we are splitting up these movies a bit. We're not touching on the Spider-Man stuff yet. I'm going to save that for... Oh, man, that's its own fucking novel. That's its that's own fucking be... novel, because there was a lot of stuff that happened in behind the scenes between Sony and Marvel Studios, yeah. which is, which will be a continuous theme up to this day, if you've been reading about so, it. So Right. So up to this point, we've been splitting the movies in half and doing two episodes, but we're not doing that with this one. Right. Right? We're doing it three Three We're going to do three. Three yeah. shorter, maybe, episodes? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. <laughs> uh, it's like I've never met us. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, real quick, uh, Civil War uh, established a brand new record Oh. for merchandise deals. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, not only did, did Disney prioritize all kinds of products uh, for Civil War, uh, to help pay for the production of the movie, because it was an expensive movie to make, uh, they got Hasbro, Lego, Funko, Hot Funko, Hot Wheels, R- Rubies, Mad Engine, Sea Life, Pizza Hut, Keebler, Pringles, Pop Secret, Mouser Electronics, Vivo, Coca Cola, Google, Samsung. Harley, Jesus, you're still going, okay? Harley Davidson and Audi. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I did look it up. Previous to this movie, we had four at the most, uh, corporate sponsors. This one was out of fucking control. But again, this was a extremely movie to make. Also, financially, it's one of the most successful of all time. Uh, opening weekend worldwide, it made $1.1 billion. Really? Yeah. Now, prior to this, Avengers was the first movie ever to break a billion total. Right. This one made a billion in its first weekend? Uh, first week, uh, to first clarify. First week? Yeah. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I didn't either. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Endgame would break that. Oh, Infinity War and Endgame would oh. both break it. Yeah. But. Yeah. See, that's the, the magic of the Infinity Saga was that it was able to build to that amazing fucking conclusion. And I don't know if I, I'm, they're going to try and recapture that magic. I don't know if you get lightning in a bottle twice, but I guess we'll find out. I mean, who knows? Uh, they've, for me, uh, Marvel has never been better. Uh, mm. 
Um, True. I can't talk about why, uh, but um, well, Disney. I mean, I I can actually. The Disney Plus shows are fucking phenomenal, and mm-hmm. Disney has cited uh, the Marvel shows as being one of the key reasons why they have one of the biggest streaming platforms in the world now. I mean, mm-hmm. Disney's raking in almost almost half a billion dollars every month with Disney Plus. Amazing, now. yeah, amazing. You know what they should really spend that extra slush fund on? Huh. An after dark rated E for explicit adults only podcast network and then hire us huh? oh i thought you were gonna say something boring like pay their uh, employees fairly but thank you <laughs> I'm, uh, i do I would support like for that us for to be their employees thank uh, you oh absolutely I, I i we should be on the fx podcast network we can you know be produced by the same people that do the always sunny podcast because that podcast is great uh, I would just really like, I would really like for when I get accused of being a shill for Disney, anytime that I say I like things that the fanboys don't like on the internet, I would like to be able to go, absolutely, I 100% am. Here's a link to all of the Disney shit. Yep. I suck, I suck the teat of the mouse. <laughs> you have to say teat. Yeah, I did. <laughs> teat. <laughs> Speaking of which, my my titties are really sore today. I don't know why. Okay, anyway, well, I know. Are why. you lactating? No, I I I'm uh, I'm doing weightlifting now, Heather. I'm nice. all butch. Good and shit. job. Okay, can we stop talking about your titties and get back to the movie? Well, you know what? We always talk about your titties. Why can't we ever talk about mine? <laughs> Fair. Go on. What else would you like to say about your titties? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. We don't need to keep talking about. <laughs> Can we say titties a few more times right after we tried to say we wanted to work for Disney? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going well. Okay, 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 okay. Please okay. hire us. Okay, anyway, where were you before all this? When I derailed us, or somebody derailed something? I don't even remember. It's it's my fault, probably. Uh, no, I, I'm sure. Uh, so, anyway, Civil War was financially successful, but Steph, um, hmm. before we leap into the movie. Does this feel like a Captain America movie to you or an Avengers movie? It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. I've never understood why it's it's a Captain America movie. Hmm. Like a lot, they do focus a lot on Steve and Steve's journey, such as it is. Although he really doesn't have much of a journey. Everybody else has to conform their journey to his stance. As it should be. He has like a personal journey with the whole Bucky thing and everything, but like- there's an awful lot else going on in this. It's not just Steve's movie. Right. I love him and I want him to have his name on stuff, but I don't feel like this is a Captain America movie. I mean, I love the movie, but it's just weird. Um, I, 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 I do. Um, so some like quick uh, pre-release notes. Um, the Russos were excited to be able to do this movie because they saw Civil War as a part two to their story in Winter Soldier yeah, and they absolutely. Des- and they describe this movie as being more espionage, more of a thriller, that sort of thing. I don't think they did pull that off. I think no, no. Yeah, there's spy shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like <clears throat> if this if this hadn't been a god and everybody is in this movie movie. If this hadn't been the ensemble gathered together, everybody we've ever involved in the MCU movie, then they might have been able to make it spy ship. But honestly, the spy ship becomes real secondary real quick. Yeah, yeah. I still love it. Just to be clear, y'all, we still love it. Oh, I love this movie. Yeah, yeah. This is actually uh, because Lucas is um, watching the movies with me and he's so excited because this is actually his favorite MCU movie. I can see that. 
Yeah. That's he great. He fucking digs it. It's, yeah. a, it's, I think it's in my top five. It is so much fun to watch these movies with, uh, with a big sexy man who fucking loves these movies. It's just, I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> I know you're listening, babe. I'm just saying. There it is. Anyway, um, anything else on the pre-production? Uh, just a real quick note, because uh, I guess I've become the music snob guy officially. Oh, become? This is new? Cool. I fucking hate you. And uh, Henry, <laughs> uh, Henry Jackman has returned to be the composer for this movie. Uh, he actually got, this movie actually got nominated for a bunch of like, film critic music award type things that are not, um, you know, they're not the Oscars, so they're not as mm-hmm. well known, but nonetheless, like if you're into like movie soundtracks and stuff, you probably keep track of this stuff. He got nominated for a lot of things. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he beat himself. But, uh... Uh, apparently there was a, um, a Wreck-It Ralph t- a television short spinoff that he uh-huh. also composed and that one. <laughs> nice. What have we heard him in before? Uh, Wreck-It Routh, uh, several Fast and Furious movies, Uncharted 4. Well, you said he returned. What in the MCU? Oh, uh, Winter Soldier. He did the previous. Oh, okay. Uh, he did Winter Soldier. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and then he did, uh, before that, X-Men First Class, Puss in Boots, Winnie the Pooh. Puss in Boots. <laughs> Monsters vs. Aliens, place. which, that was not a great movie, but he won an award for that one. So, did you say Monsters vs. Aliens? Yeah, do you remember that shit show? No, I remember Cowboys and Aliens and Predator and a- versus Alien. Yeah, it was a cartoon. It was an animated uh, DreamWorks oh. cartoon thing. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. no, nobody saw it either, so it's fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, are we ready to get into this movie? Yes. If you put that next to the mic, I will reach through the screen. <laughs> right I am sorry. I needed to. I need. I'm. My throat is parched. Look, I don't begrudge you the beverage. I just want you to put that fizzy shit the fuck away from the microphone. Okay, look, I'm pouring away from the mic and I'm spilling on my fucking floor. Great. Good. I hate you. All right, anyway. Why are you drinking something with bubbles in it while you're voice recording? That's what I want to know. Because I like fizzy drinks when I'm recording. It relaxes me. Okay. You're a hater. All right, so you're a hater. <laughs> you're just you're a fucking hater. Well, okay. you're not supposed because it's gonna make you burpy. It's gonna like fuck with your vocal cords. It's just I. Uh, you're a music snob. I'm apparently a voice recording snob. Oh so. my god! I'll get the honey and tea next time. I only ever drink water when we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> I've been drinking water all day. I I literally before I jumped on recording peed for like five minutes straight. That's not healthy. You should probably see a professional. About it is that. healthy if you drink a lot of water. A five-minute pee? That's so long. <laughs> it was so long. Anyway. Okay. Yay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway, wah, wah. God. <laughs> we're, the movie. We're all over the God, place already. Just, can we, can we, hi, are we here? Can yeah. we do this? Let's all do right. this. God damn it. The movie opens. We see, uh, it is Whoa. 19. We forgot the what? intro. We intro the movie. Right. My intro. You have an intro. I'm so sorry. My bad. That's that's on me. And I'm going to sip my non-fizzy water and let you proceed. Thank you. I appreciate it. <clears throat> Avengers assemble. Mm-hmm. Steve Rogers and the new Avengers work together to track down the former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Rumlow after tracking him down for six months. But did Steve properly train every member of the team or did he opt in for the on-the-job training methodology? Maybe not the best idea after being part of a group that accidentally created Ultron, which led to a city being blown up and dropped out of the sky. What consequences lie in wait for Captain America and the Avengers? 
I'm sensing some blame on Steve Rogers here, and I'm not I'm not in support of that sentiment. I, I'm blaming Tony, actually. I want to state for the record, this is not the official position of Dar- of Marvelous Divas. We are not blaming Steve. Ever. For how this goes down. Except for the whole on-the-job training thing. I think that could nope, have been nope. done. Yep, yep. No, they clearly did training. They clearly did. I mean, I think she performed amazingly. There's just some shit you can't account for. Sure. We'll talk God about it. God damn it. it. Oh my god, I hate We'll talk it. about it. All right. You just just don't open the show with already blaming Steve. It's not his I'm point. not blaming Steve. I'm not blaming you anybody did. You but did Tony Stark. You did right Stark. in your intro, right there. Uh, wow. That's not Am the, I wrong? I am not blaming him for anything other than the fact that you don't Other do than the, the things that you're training. blaming him for. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. There right. it is. Yeah. Right. Okay. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> All right. Can we go into the movie now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it is 1991, according to the giant numbers on the screen. What? Uh, we are gazing upon a frozen landscape. Weird. Is it a military installation? Appears to be. Of course, it's Hydra. You got the, the, little, little, the little octopus. They got the little octopus logo. Like you on do. There, on the doors. Uh, we see a close-up of a guy punching in a code that opens a secure little vault. And inside that vault is a dream journal? it looks like his dream journal it's a soviet dream journal yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) it is a smallish red leather bound book with a black star embossed on the cover Mm. Hmm. cut to the winter soldier being thawed out while screaming yay it's the same rig that we saw uh, in the Winter Soldier when they were, you know, fucking with his brain and stuff it like covers half his face and everything it it looks Awful. Awful. Um, And as he is sort of trying to recover from that whole thing, you see a Russian officer reciting a list of words out of the dream journal. Yep. The words are seemingly random. This is very much old school spy code Manchurian candidate shit right here. Right. Uh, And Chris has already quoted for us the words. Would you like to let us know what words it was he was saying? Lawning, rusted, 17, daybreak. Furnace, nine, benign, homecoming, one, freight car. Yeah, only in Russian, but we're yeah. not going to do that. We'll only I, Y'all, I tried to practice it in Russian. I couldn't fucking do it. I'm just, my accent's well, not there. If you were a little more focused on this, like Zemo, then you would have gotten it. I know. I'm not as hot as he is, so that's how it goes. <laughs> Good night, nurse. <laughs> Look, I did not go into this expecting like it's not even it's not even a lingering Falcon in the Winter Soldier crush. I I was into him from the first time I saw this movie. Uh, like, an, an evil nerd boy. I am in. Yeah, I am yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So then, you know, Bucky seems to suddenly become calm after hearing these words. Uh, the Winter Soldier does, and the the guy says, "Good morning, soldier." Again, also in Russian. And the Winter Soldier replies in the sexiest voice ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, ready to comply in Russian. So Pause am I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so ready to comply. That is an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. reference. Is it? It is, I think. Um, there was a plot in the 2014 season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in which Hydra was using the Faustus method to hypnotize and control people. 
And the trigger words for this, uh, because they would they would hypnotize people and use them as sleeper agents and stuff. And the trigger words uh, were, are you ready to comply? Compliance will be rewarded. Oh, my. So these methods have got to be related. Is what is my thought, because that language is very specific. I wouldn't know. No, you wouldn't. It's actually a really good show. They used they used the the trigger words to amazing dramatic effect. You see somebody who you thought was a good guy and was doing all the good guy stuff, and then suddenly their wife will turn to them and go, "Honey, aren't you ready to comply? Oh. Your compliance will be rewarded." And you see them like suddenly they're panicking as they recognize the words, and then ksh, they've been triggered, and now they're going to do bad things. It was really good because it's a good fucking. Sh- I hate you. <laughs> anyway the russian dude is sending the winter soldier on a mission he is told to sanction and extract extract i'm pretty sure that means kill them and take their stuff <laughs> kill them and take their shit yes and then we cut to seeing him uh, he doesn't have the winter soldier mask over his face yeah i thought that was interesting but mm-hmm. i guess they weren't expecting anybody to survive or witness this right uh, i That's- guess or did they only put a mask on him when they knew that he was going to be going in the vicinity of steve rogers I think they put that or they just wanted to make him look cooler in Winter Soldier and not so much in this movie. Uh, yeah, well, they were trying to conceal his identity <laughs> right, right. for dramatic purposes in Winter Soldier. Right. Okay, fine. Uh, we see him on uh, a lonely street in the deep of night, cruising along behind, clearly stalking and then cruising along behind a luxury 90s vehicle. Yeah. It's like a land yacht. I remember the type. My mom had one. Yep. Uh he crashes. He makes it crash into a tree. Uh, takes a suitcase out of the trunk and delivers that suitcase back to the Russian guy. They open it up and it is full of blue baggies of blue stuff. I'm sure. I'm sure Hy- Hydra has very practical purposes for that. It means to do no wrong. Do we think that's super soldier serum? Uh, that is. Do we think so- Howard finally developed it? Uh, probably. I mean, why? I mean, if anybody's going to figure that shit out, Howard would. Because, I mean, we know with the power of hindsight, having watched later into this movie, that's Howard Stark. Right. That was that was the Winter Soldier taking out Howard Stark. At this point in watching the movie, we don't know who that is yet. Yeah, but, nor do we know what the purpose of that any of that stuff is. Right. We know, okay. they're, we know they're blood bags because of the, the container that they're yeah, in. Yeah, they're, they're, they are. Yeah, yeah, they're medical bags. Yeah. And it should be. It's the kind of bags that would you... you blah, 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 blah. I'll try again. Uh, it's the kind of bags that you would use for blood, but the the liquid inside is bright fucking blue. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Anyway, now we get the Marvel intro. Yep. After all that. The okay. Captain America Marvel intro specifically. So uh, real quick, uh, this is a good mm-hmm. point to pop in something. Um, yeah, all do. of the uh, comic strips of the Marvel logo are showing a specific uh, version of Captain America. So... Uh-huh. Yeah, so Captain America Civil War is a reference to a crossover comic book storyline that happened from 2006 to 2007 called <gasps> Civil War. Civil eh? War, eh? okay, eh? okay, uh-huh. Again, it's one of those things where it, uh, you know, Marvel from time to time wants to do big crossover events so they can get more people to buy their shit and they make mm-hmm. action figures and all that kind of stuff. Because you get the Tony Stark fans to buy a Captain America comic. You get the Captain America fans to buy it and stuff like that. Exactly. Uh, And uh, uh, basically all the Marvel characters uh, were involved with this. Uh, The world wanted to uh, create a superhuman registration uh, list. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, uh, Tony Stark was for it. Captain America was against it. 
and right. people chose their sides and it was a knockdown drag out fight for uh that lasted for over a year wow captain america is assassinated after after it by sharon carter what? Mm-hmm. oh okay he comes back it's that shit. it's he, he comes back it's you know oh okay it's, it's comic book shit um interesting uh point uh while this comic book series was uh from a sales perspective very successful it's heavily mm-hmm. criticized because um you know i was reading all the nerd forums about this a lot of people Wait, thought this was nerds a- had critiques oh yeah um, crazy a lot of the people thought <laughs> a lot of people thought this was just a complete ripoff of so many different x-men uh storylines because the most of the major yeah, storylines. Yeah, I thought this was an X Men thing too. Like there was a mutant registry exactly. that they were trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, no, 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 it's not the same as a mutant registry. It's a superhero registry. And they're like, that's just Aww. a bigger registry, right? Um, right? But again, it was one of those things that Marvel did just to sell comic books. They did try to repeat the success of that by having Civil War II, which debuted okay. in June, which came out in June 2016. It was somewhat actually related to or inspired by this movie. Um, and there was a video game that also came out that told the oh. Civil War uh, story. It was the um, Marvel Alliance games. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. those. No. It's it's on Nintendo. But um, yeah, so that's that. <laughs> okay. Cool. And anyway, um, all the shots in the Marvel logo came from those comic books. Those, oh, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I had I didn't even notice. I, so that's amazing. Good catch, Heather. I know. Thank you, Marvelpedia, whatever you're called. <laughs> <laughs> Marvelpedia. There you go. Uh, so we are. We now find ourselves in present day Lagos, Nigeria. Yay! Did you notice the title card is like actually naming like a specific location, not just the African coast? I appreciate that. It's a lot less so racist. <laughs> I know. It's so like actually acknowledging that there are population centers and civilization and stuff there and it might be a specific country yeah anyway <laughs> i just i'm just Dude. really enjoying the russo brothers of it all oh so. they're so much better it's like oh yeah it's unbelievable anyway we get a close-up of wanda maximoff uh sitting outside a cafe and we're we're seeing her hands as she's like adding sugar to her coffee i i don't know why i love that she's got black nail polish and it's all chipped i love that like that's so that's so human. Yeah. Like she does not have a perfect manicure. You know she fucking probably painted it on the jet on the way here, and then she's been doing shit since then, and it's just fucking chipped. And it just I love it. I just I don't know. I like that detail. I like I love to see mom in the movie. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love Wanda anyway, so much. Uh so what are they there doing? Yeah, so uh 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 someone is talking to her and she's describing the setting. They're on a quiet Quiet street, very little cops, um, and all this kind of stuff. And suddenly you realize that Steve is talking to her, and he's kind of mm-hmm. quizzing her a bit on what what she's observing. And they're kind of discussing, you know, what the possible strategy could be of whatever they're doing or whatever why they're there. And yeah, then, he's clearly training the rookie. Clearly training her right on the mm-hmm. on the job training. Oh um, my god, what do you? Okay, uh, that's what I'm saying. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so meanwhile, Natasha is only sitting a couple feet away from her, and mm-hmm. and she's also saying stuff like, "Well, uh, well, they they she makes a point about there's a certain vehicle that is bulletproof, and so Natasha points out, yeah, there's probably extra security with extra guns and extra guns right. mean that there's more people. Oh my gosh, 
And then we hear a communication from Sam. So Sam is there too. And he's like, you know, you're a little paranoid, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, uh, oh no, he says to her, you know, people say that you're paranoid, blah, blah, blah. And Natasha's like, not to my face. Why? Did you hear something? And I love that. <laughs> well, this scene very quickly establishes to, for the record, this whole opening sequence, they are, they are hunting Brock Rumlow. Yeah. They've been hunting him for like six months. We get a quick scan across some newspaper headlines. It says that he's been selling weapons to terrorists in large amounts. So he's Whoops. bad. Um, yeah. he's And he we saw that he survived at the end of Winter Soldier. Yep. Uh, badly maimed, but he survived. Yeah. Um, and so what this whole scene, this whole action sequence that's about to follow, what, it just establishes the sort of baseline of where we're at, uh, which is this team, their rapport, their team tactics, and the fact that um, obviously, uh, Wanda is the least experienced person on the field right now. Yeah. And you you seem to have a problem with the on-the-job training. Where else is she supposed to get trained in how to how to analyze these situations? Oh, I don't have a problem exactly. with it. I'm just saying that's what they're doing. You have a problem with it. You blamed him for shit because of this. How the, else do you intro. do it? I mean, I, I am just pointing it out because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not she saying she has to be trained. She has to be trained in the field. It's this not is like there's a field experience. It's not like there's a, a a master scientist who can create a hologram room and then you can train in that. That would also be ripping off from the X Men. And later in this movie, <laughs> I don't actually remember much of the rest of this movie. <laughs> You're just the, you watch this scene over and over again. I agree, it's kind of hot. Um, <laughs> When no, I, I just watched up to where we finished for this podcast. <laughs> That's okay. all. Uh, we, uh, uh, but I did love like how there's an exchange between everybody. Like they're trying to like plot what's going to happen, all this kind of stuff. And Wanda's like, "You guys know I can move things with my mind, right?" <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like, and but but Natasha, who reminder has no powers, no super fucking cool suit, uh, no wings, nothing. She's just a badass on the ground, and she's like, "Yeah, well, you." You need to be able to look over your shoulder. Anyway. But she's right. Uh, they see Cap spots a garbage truck pulling into the area. Now, they think Rumlow's about to hit the police station because right. they're out in front of this police station. This garbage truck rolls in rolls in, and uh, Steve is immediately suspicious, tells Sam to check it out. So Sam deploys an adorable drone. Yay. It's a little drone. He launches it off of his uh, off of his suit, off the back of his suit. It goes flying. It looks like a little jet. And it goes flying underneath. The garbage truck sends back an x-ray and lets him know that it is at max weight. The driver's armed. That's a battering ram. They're not going for the police station. Holy shit. And then the garbage truck, like they barely have a second to respond. Cap is like, go now. And Wanda goes, what? Again, she's the rookie. She doesn't know what's going on. Uh, But boom, this garbage truck slams into the gate to the Institute for Infectious Diseases, which was right over there. Oh, good. Did nothing, we not think? Nothing bad is in there, right? Right. Did we not think that that might also possibly be a target? Uh, mm, well, I mean, yeah. we don't know. I, I Look, if you start to think about this movie too hard, it yeah, starts to right, fall apart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole point of the action sequence, which is very cool, I very much enjoy it. Uh, it is to establish the team's tactics, uh, to resolve the, the dangling thread of Rumlow from The Winter Soldier. Uh, and to get a fuck up on the books for the Avengers and also remind us about Steve and Bucky. Oh, the whole MacGuffin here where Rumlow's like trying to get some infectious disease vial from the thing and stuff. That doesn't matter. It is irrelevant to the rest of the movie. 
We didn't talk about Rumlow the For last the last time, did we? I don't think we did. You mean in the Winter Soldier? We definitely did. Yeah, but we t- did we talk about him as Crossbones, though? Um, I don't think so. Do you want to talk about Crossbones? Let's talk about Crossbones. So Rumlow yeah. is uh, actually based on a comic book character named Crossbones. That's why he has the cool skull mask in the movie. He's based uh-huh. on a character. He made his first... I thought he was an older character. Turns out he's not. He made his first appearance in October 1989. Uh, Captain America number 359... He was a creation of, oh God, I'm not going to pronounce him correctly. Mark Grenwald and Kieran Dwyer. Mm. Okay. Uh, But he's pretty much a villain that fucks with Captain America a shit ton, though he does join the Thunderbolts at one point and then it says fuck off to the Thunderbolts and joins Hydra. You know, good people. Oh, like you do. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and also he works closely with Taskmaster, Master, and Red Skull. So that's fun. Oh, Great there guy. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does not have powers. He's just very athletic, a great tactician uh, until mm-hmm. fairly recently. And now he can manipulate energy. Oh. Like you do. You sure. Know, sure. Yeah. So that's Crossbones. Cool. Um, so this whole, again, we're not going to go blow by blow through the action. There's a lot of action There's a lot of in action. this movie. Uh, there's a lot of dings in this fight, though, on all of our counters. So <laughs> oh, yeah. Some of those. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot that I love about this. I'm reminded almost immediately how much I love watching Captain America fight. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so brutal. Don't- it's just I love the leaping forward with literally both feet to kick somebody like that's ever a good idea. But he just makes it work. Yeah. I, ju- mm. I do think he got a lot more comfortable with the shield. Like he did yeah. a lot more shield tricks this movie that I. Oh yeah, there's so much more ricochet. Like yeah. it's he did some when they were uh, in Winter Soldier when they were assaulting the ship, um, but here it's it's definitely more sophisticated. Like he's gotten better too. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Uh, we do immediately at the top of the fight get a ding. On, I'm calling this a ding on the Steve Rogers jumping out of planes counter. Because Falcon airdrops him into the fight. <laughs> That's fair. He drops from like 50 feet in the air <laughs> right into the middle of the fight. It's love it. I love it. And also I love the Starkification of Sam's gear. I was going to ask you, do you think that, that a lot of his shit is Stark Tech bullshit? Is that According bu- I- to Anthony Mackie and some behind the scenes stuff, yeah, it's Stark Tech bullshit. Oh. That's cool. Yeah, he because Tony Stark, if you put a new piece of technology in front of Tony Stark, he's immediately going to improve it. He cannot help himself. It's a compulsion. God damn it, Tony. So, you know, Falcon shows up one day at Avengers Campus with the Falcon rig developed by the U.S. military. And Tony was like, OK, don't come in here with that peasant shit. Right. I'll <laughs> make it, I'm making version 2.0 right now. And the version 2.0 is really cool. Like the wings are armor and stuff. They're very versatile. He can move them around and like they're bulletproof. I fucking love it. Um, I also love that you've got, you know, Cap in his armor and you've got Sam in his whole flight rig thing. Wanda is literally wearing grunge tight, scuffed up boots and an oversized jacket. <laughs> in my notes, I have Wanda is serving me hot topic realness on the field. <laughs> but not as bad. Not as bad as Ultron. It's 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 practical. It's practical yeah, goth, right? It's yeah, it's like actual goth, not performative goth. Exactly. Objectification goth. Yeah. Um, but I gotta say, when when you are the bad guys and you are looking at a field and you see that the big strong men are wearing like tactical gear or big crazy electronics, and the girl floats into the fight wearing like some tights that she snagged at the mall mm-hmm. uh, and somebody's oversized like BDU jacket. 
She's the one you need to be scared of. She's the boss fight. She's the wizard in the in, in the opposing party. You, you right. attack that first. You have to beware when you are fighting superheroes, beware of the ones that don't have any armor on. Absolutely. Because they're the scary ones. Uh, Natasha as well. Uh-huh. She's just wearing like casual boots and a leather, leather jacket. And I'm here for that. And fucking destroying everyone. Uh, I do have a D uh, for uh, speaking of Natasha at the very beginning of this action sequence. Uh, she uses a bike uh, to. <laughs> yes. She, yeah, hops she, off a- a, she hops off a motorcycle and basically lets the motorcycle run into somebody. So I'm going to put that as a Dean on the improv weapon counter. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Peggy Carter impromptu weaponry counter. I have that too. She also immediately gets a ding on the Lucha Libre counter by using one dude as a brace so that she can swing kick at another dude. Yeah, she like, and then she does like a reverse DDT kind of thing. Good lord, girl. Oh, it's amazing. Who, yeah. who watches um, uh, WWE in, in this movie? Like everybody that's working I, in production? The, the stunt coordinators, Apparently, obviously. yeah. Um, so they, they're they chasing around Rumlow and stuff and into the building. I like Rumlow's like punchy fist devices that he's mm-hmm. got. That's cool because he knows he's going up against super soldiers and so he needs some tech to support that um there is you know and there's chasing and there's like some gas that goes into the building and wanda like sucks it out with her magic and sends it up into the air it's still a problem up there wanda but at least it's not in the building do you and cap knew there was gas in there when she used her magic to fling him up three stories through a window right to get in there you think he's holding his breath he's holding his breath he's a super soldier because he's ripping masks off of dudes and they're immediately choking on this gas. They're not as cool as he is. They're not as cool as he is. Um, but he does end up getting like exploded back out of the building yeah. at one point. He lands really bad. He like bounces oh, off the top of a truck. I hated he that. He hits the ground on his back and we get a ding on the bad timing sexiness counter. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the way he twisted his hips to flip over? I have that on my nose too. <laughs> <laughs> That was, that was uh, spellbinding. Because I'm just saying, if I like, if we're naked and we lay right next to each other, that's a perfect position. He just you he know? just like slides one leg out of the way and just like flips over right in place. Yeah. He didn't like roll over. He just flipped over right where he was. It was, it was and nice. the start the movement started with the hips. It was good. That was, uh, that was you know ten seconds back on the Disney Plus. You guys, it's the best feature they've ever installed. <laughs> I'm not saying it's my desktop. Uh, icon right now, but it's really good. Kind of is. <laughs> um, Nat gets another ding on Lucha Libre when she's fighting the Mercs, and she's just like wrapping legs around them and flipping them over and stuff, and climbing all over these guys. And I counted a total of nine Lucha Libre maneuvers during the <laughs> sequence. This one sequence, just during this sequence, yeah. she's so badass. I adore her, but she does end up getting rescued by Red Wing. But she does not want to talk to it and think it. She's not. She's not going to thank. <laughs> She thanks Sam, and Sam's like, don't thank me. Thank Red Wing. She's like, I'm not. I'm, I'm not, not doing that. No, I'm not thanking no. that. He's like, guys, cute. Pat him. It's so cute. I love them. Um, ultimately, we come to the real point of this fight, which is Cap catches up to Rumlow mm-hmm. and starts beating him down. And Rumlow makes a good showing for himself. But honestly, it's Cap. What are you fucking going to do? Right. And I, and I think Rumlow intended to die here. He He had... No intentions of winning a fight against Captain Fucking America. No, he wanted to do this because um, he yeah. in the middle of the sequence, the guys are like, "Hey, we're going to separate so we can outrun the Avengers. Uh, where do we meet you?" And he's like, "You're not." Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not meeting you anywhere. Um, and so he's got Rumlo beaten down. Rumlo is on the ground. He takes his helmet off. He's horrifically scarred. I mean, uh, and Cap still, is like, "Huh." Oh. I still hit it up. 
Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's still Frank Grillo yeah. under there. Like, that's a pretty, pretty man. There's only so much you can ugly him up. I'm sorry. That, are you okay? Hold, please. Apparently, there, there's a Fast and Furious uh, there's, thing. There's some vroom vroom going on over there. I know. Well, did you, hear, did you hear how cool that guy was? He was so cool right then. His penis is small. Anyway. <laughs> no, no. That sound means it's big. It's huge. It's the biggest <laughs> dick. That's what that sound means. Uh, so speaking of huge, let's talk about Rumlow. <laughs> I'm kidding. So Rumlow, uh, on his knees in front of Cap, which, hmm, mm-hmm. bad timing sexiness. Ding again. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and like all breathless and they're both sort of like panting because it's exertion. Yeah. I'm not saying I, I studied the scene carefully, but I, I, I did. I just say there's yeah. other ways this scene could have ended. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Make love, not war. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Cap gets down in his face and Rumlow starts taunting him about Bucky. Ugh. He, he says, you know, he knew you, your pal, your Bucky. He remembered you. He got all weepy about it. Till they put his brain back in a blender. What a prick. Right? And he says, he told me to tell you something. He said, please tell Rogers when you gotta go, you gotta go. And you're coming with me. And Uh-oh. he hits a button. Steve was so distracted by the Bucky thing that he missed the fact that Rumlow was wearing an explosive vest. And you know who didn't miss it? Wanda. Wanda. Yeah. Because she, like, Steve was, Steve was going to be exploded. He was going to be, if not killed, badly injured. But right when Rumlow hits the button and goes boom, suddenly... That explosion becomes a sphere around that man. And he is screaming as he burns to death inside a sphere of magic. And Wanda is straining to hold on to it. There is a crowd around them. There's like a hundred people. This is there are hundreds of people around them. Yes. So thank you for pointing that out because I do want to talk about that. Yeah. There's, it's an extremely crowded market. There's already been so much chaos. If that bomb, if she lets go of it right there, hundreds of people are going to die. So she launches it straight up into the air, but she can't launch it and hold on to it like she reaches a limit and she has to let go and the bomb goes off like what was it like six five or six stories up five or six stories up uh there's a very quick clip where it is say stated that 64 people are killed in a hospital was that a hospital uh that's what it said in 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 um not Prague, I know eleven of them were Wakandans, and we'll find out about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were there there were a bunch of people in. Uh, it, it's more like it's a hospital slash like, uh, uh, I don't know what you would call it, like a not a homeless shelter, but like a, a place where people get help in the area, basically. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of people were killed, but, but if you're watching it. So many more people would have died if she hadn't done that. So many more people, like so many. Like quite frankly, she made the she made the correct choice. Now, did she? She did. Did she? Was she successful in saving more people? No. But like police uh, in today's world, police officers, military people, etc., they don't always get to make that choice. So you pick right you, there. There was she picked the the best worst option. Exactly. Like. There were, and and that's really amazing on the fly thinking for somebody who clearly is very inexperienced. Exactly. Um, and I honestly, I don't think Cap would have made a different choice if he. No could one have. would have. No one. No one reasonable would have. That was. There was nothing else. Like, could she have maybe angled it away from the building? Yeah. Maybe, but we don't know. Yeah. She did what she could. 
uh, she did better than anybody else could have fucking done. Agreed. And we don't have magic powers, so we don't know what it's like to do what Wanda Mm -hmm. did, right? So how how should we judge? Why should anybody else judge? The only thing that could have been better is if Steve hadn't been distracted by the Bucky talk and had recognized there was a bomb vest and disabled his fucking hand before he could push the button. Yeah. And Steve damn well knows it. Yep. He fully expects that. He fully he fully accepts that responsibility. And Wanda, it gets a crash course in having to fully accept the responsibility for what she did too. Oh it's boy. fucking brutal. It's it's fucking brutal. Uh shout out to to her acting. Um mm-hmm. that her face after that happened told the story and hats off. She hit the ground. Yeah. Like she just she just hit her knees and covered her mouth. She was horrified. Steve immediately starts coordinating rescue efforts because of who he is as a person. Yeah. Anyway, we cut from all of that to a nice older lady playing the piano, singing the song "Try to Remember." Huh? Huh? What's going on here, Chris? <laughs> well, uh, uh, we see Howard Stark. Holy shit! He walks up behind this very nice, wonderful woman, and. Um, uh, and then we also see a very young Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And I'm like, holy fucking shit, what's going on? Hol- Is this a flashback? Holy, holy de-aging Batman. Yeah, like, was it a flashback? What's going on? Yeah. So the de-aging, let's talk about the the de-aging on Robert Downey Jr. Please, I, I've quick. been looking forward to this. So, I mean, they did it the way they've done all the other de-aging. Right. It's Lola VFX doing their thing. Uh, but... Here's the thing. Robert Downey Jr. had was so prolific in the in the 80s. And this is in 1991. Mm-hmm. We realize that's when this scene is happening. I don't know if they say it on the screen, but we know. We know. Because of, of what how happens the scene later. progresses. Yeah. So this moment in time is happening in 1991. Um, I had to look it up because I'm looking at this and I'm like, is he too pretty? No, he was that pretty. That's the thing. I'm like, did they smooth him out too much? It looks like they might have gone too far with it. So I go to look uh, at IMDb. What was Robert Downey Jr. in in 1991? Soap Dish was his movie in 1991. Okay. Google Soap Dish. That is a ridiculously pretty young man. He is exactly that beautiful. But here's the thing. They didn't use Robert Downey Jr. 1991 as the reference for this. Nope. They used his his appearance in 1987 in the movie Less Than Zero. And that's because Tony Stark is actually younger than Robert Downey Jr. Boom. Tony Stark was born in 1970, which, put, which puts him at 40 in Iron Man mm-hmm. in 2010. Robert Downey Jr. was born in 1965. So he's five. So, year, so he's five years older than Tony. right. Okay, that makes sense. Exactly. So he's forty five when he's playing forty year old Tony. So they they did a three year old younger Robert Downey Jr. as the reference for how he should look in this scene, and he's just y'all that face that that was the problem in the eighties. Was he had that fucking face? He's walking around with these giant brown eyes and just this ludicrously effortlessly perfect skin. And and these fucking lips and just that's why that's why he was a problem in the eighties. He, he was, was a heartthrob and also he was a whole ass problem. And he was a whole ass problem in Hollywood uh, in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and a group of other actors and actresses that were hanging out at the time, like uh, like River Phoenix, for example. It's yeah, it's the Brat Pack. It's but a, they were these the, were like they were the bad boys of the Brat Pack. They yeah. were like Brat Pack adjacent. And, um, oh fuck, Raymond Reddington. 
Oh, uh, shit. Right. His name just flew out of my head. Oh, why did you have to? Yeah, but he, he, uh, yeah, the, the guy who plays Ultra. James Spader. Thank James you. Spader. I J- found it. James Spader was another one. Um, there, not all of the guys and women in that group survived by the end of the 80s. Right. Uh, and they, Robert, Downey, they... Robert Downey Jr. Came out, of, came out of that with a drug addiction that we talked about in the past, you know? so Exactly. Like, that's that era was so permissive to these beautiful young people who were just earning gobs and gobs of money hand over fist to entertain, you know, American audiences. Um, and so... They nobody was going to check them. Who was who was going to check them? Boo! Nobody back then. Nobody. Yeah, and to so their, to that, their detriment, they some of them became our cautionary tales. Yeah, um, some of them recovered and became Iron Man. Yep. And so, but yeah, no, the level of pretty on this young man in this scene that is accurate. Yep. So uh, you know, Tony's like kind of suggesting that his dad isn't happy to see him. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is where we get a brief moment of old Howard Stark, the Howard Stark we saw in Agent Carter. Oh, yeah. Because his mother says something like, yeah, uh, our son just came back from abroad. And Howard asks, really? Which broad? <laughs> and Tony says, Candace. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, God damn, those two must have the most fucked up relationship. They, well, yeah, Howard's got to fucking hate seeing little him running around. Exactly. I mean, I've got, I look, there are parts of me that have been reproduced very accurately in my children. And there are times that I'm like, God damn it. Why are you like this? It's my fault. It's my own fault. (laughs) You know, I brought this on myself by being who I am. And so, I mean, that's true. Like, uh, you know, y'all don't know this, but Steph and I do talk before we do any kind of recording. And sometimes Mm -hmm. she talks about her children and she's complaining about them. And I just look at her (laughs) because it's like, because they're, they're just me. Yeah. Cause I'm like, "Mm -hmm." yeah, I don't know what that's like at all. Stephanie. Oh, shocking. They talked back. They had opinions. Weird. Yeah. Where'd that come from? Oh, they were sarcastic to you. Huh. 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 Hmm. Mm-hmm. Stunning. Yeah. <laughs> How unexpected. So I imagine, I like, I'm feeling, I'm feeling Howard in this moment because yeah. Tony is exactly like him. T- yeah. Too much. A little too much. Um. So, you know, they, they kind of snipe at each other for a second and then Howard walks out of the room and the nice lady at the piano, clearly his mom, Tony's mom, yeah, stands up and she's like, uh, you should say something. You know this is the last time we'll be together, and you know what's about to happen. Wait, what? Exactly. She says, say something. If you don't, you'll regret it. So then Howard walks back in, and Tony says, I love you, Dad. I know you did, you did the best you could. What? What's happening right? right now? There's no way this is actually happening. Um, But real quick, because they they walk away, the Starks walk away, and we see behind young Tony is old Tony, not old, older Tony, present day Tony. Present day Tony, yeah, is back behind them. So as they've left the scene, I would like to talk about. Uh, we know that's John Slattery playing Howard Stark, right? Maria Stark uh. is played by Hope Davis, and I would like to point out Hope Davis is one year younger. I'm sorry, one year older than Robert Downey Jr. Oh my God, really? They 1964. Age, they aged her, right? I mean, not really. 
Really? Because I looked up a picture of her recently, and she's fucking beautiful. Like, I yeah, mean, they might have. I'm not saying she's put, not like, beautiful in the jowl. movie, but yeah, I think they put some jowl on her, a little bit of age makeup there. But yeah, she's she's exact. She's like one year. She was born in 1964. She's one year older than him. Yeah, thanks Hollywood. Anyway, thanks Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you are, uh, let's see, this is 2016, so he would have been 46, 40, <sighs> no, 40, 51. Uh, if you are a 51-year-old man, you're a superhero. If you're a 52-year-old woman, you're the superhero's mom. God damn it. I hate it here. Yeah. Anyway, Hope Davis has been in movies since 1990. She was in Flatliners. You remember Flatliners? I do. Yeah, she was in that one. Uh, she had a small role in Home Alone. <laughs> uh, then she was in Hearts in Atlantis and about Schmidt. In the 2000s, it was much more about the TV of it all. Uh, she was in Six Degrees, The Newsroom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, with Aaron mm-hmm. Sorkin, uh, Wayward Pines, Succession, and most recently, she's in a series that I might need to check out called Your Honor with Brian Cranston. Oh, I've been wanting to see that one too. I heard that one's good. And weirdly enough, this is not the only time Brian Cranston's gun- name is going to come up in this podcast. Huh. Okay. Like today. Anyway, so that is Hope Davis playing Maria Stark. They walk off the screen, and present day Tony says, That's how I hoped it had gone or something like that i can't remember yeah no he that's said how i wish it had gone he says that's how i wish it would have gone yeah but uh 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 and he explains that this device is a extremely expensive uh 616 million dollar uh therapy machine called uh-huh. the binary augmented retro framing or barf <laughs> tony stark barf god damn it oh no hold on to that that name's gonna come back around later in the mcu oh i know um, it is basically like VR therapy where you can go back and like relive your past traumatic moments, but fix them this time. Yeah. I don't know that that sounds super healthy. Uh, um, I mean, but... my therapist. Okay. This is TMI, but yay. My therapist does implement role playing mm-hmm. as part of the therapy. And, you know, she okay. says stuff like, you know, if you, if you could talk to your mom right now, what would you say? And I'd be like, fuck you. I'm more successful than you. Fuck off. Or something like that. <laughs> uh, so uh, I think that this is like it's just a very expensive role playing machine. But it's like what the part that I feel like is probably unhealthy is how realistic it is. Yeah. Like, like because it is very easy to make our brains create new memories to override old ones and convince ourselves that the new one is real. So I feel like, oh. and like maybe, maybe if your past traumas and regrets are so bad, you really do need to overwrite those. Maybe this is a good thing. But I feel like, in general, um, that sounds that sounds like rife for abuse to to for people to just like, oh, I I hate that I was awkward that day. Erased. It's gone. I was great. Like, <laughs> or I hate that I broke my ex wife's heart. Erased. It's gone. So's the marriage, actually. Like, see. You know, it's a whole thing. Anyway, I, I, maybe I'm taking I'll, this, maybe I'm playing this out to to my sci-fi brain's uh, extreme conclusion. And wait, wait, wait. Actually. So I could forget about all my exes using this machine? Why would you ever want to? Because if you forget about them, you're going to repeat them. Because you've met some of them. Yeah, I know. And remembering him is how you don't do that again. <laughs> Just saying. Anyway, uh, so barf is a ding on the Stark Tech bullshit. Absolutely. Uh, but where is Tony? Uh, so suddenly Tony goes out on stage and apparently he's giving a talk at MIT, which is, by uh-huh. the way, the same school he graduated from. We, we know that from Iron Man 1. Yep. Uh, he's uh, giving the speech about 
what is MIT's mission statement, which I don't give a fuck because I didn't go to college and I'm not smart enough to go to MIT. Oh, smart people shit. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, Tony explains, you know, you all are college students. Most of you are broke, he says. Every student has been has opportunity, though. And he uh, tells them that they're going to be given a grant from some foundation. The September Foundation. The September Foundation. Mm-hmm. And the whole crowd goes wild because they were just told, hey, you get a fuck ton of money and you can work on your projects. But yeah, every it, single student's project has been approved and fully funded. And the crowd goes wild. Um, yeah. Now, Tony Stark is reading off of a teleprompter, right? Right. And like, where is this teleprompter? It's like floating in the air. Yeah. I couldn't figure that out. I'm going to start tech bullshit the fucking time. I, I am going to do that, too. That's what I have in my notes. I, I have a whole rant about like, wait, where is it? I don't understand. But unfortunately, right. like, we don't get a good shot of its location. So it's kind of confusing a little bit. Yeah. Like there's different camera angles on it and you should be able to see it. It's just not there. But what's up with the teleprompter? Uh, well, there was more, uh, so Tony followed the script, which is shocking for Tony Stark, but (laughs) then he pauses because at the end of the teleprompter, it says, now I would like to introduce the head of the foundation, Pepper Potts, but Tony doesn't say it. Tony, it uh, instead, you know, kind of gets a little quiet for a second and then wraps it up and then walks off the stage and he's very sad. Yeah. Pepper's not there. At this point, we don't know where the fuck Pepper is. But she canceled at the last minute, so last minute, that they couldn't correct the teleprompter script. Did they break up? I don't know. Is she mad about Ultron? What's going on? I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, it, Tony is not an easy man to be in a relationship with. He's really not. That man is <laughs> high maintenance. And he does things when you're not looking, like build a murder bot that tries to destroy the planet. Like maybe get some space in that relationship from time to time. Yeah. Anyway, See, if you're in an open relationship, you could be like, Tony, you make murder bots. I'm going to go bang this other guy on a different coast. I'll talk to you in a couple of months. You know? Uh, I feel like that is a wep- that's a weaponization of the open relationship that is actually pretty unethical and you shouldn't do that. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. If one of my boyfriends make Ultron, that's what's happening. Okay, but you don't need to tell him, hey, because you have made a murder bot, I'm going to go fuck somebody else. Like, this is not punishment. You cannot use the other relationship to punish this first relationship. That's not okay. Okay, I wouldn't normally do that, but I would draw the line at murder bot. Okay, well, if you get a boyfriend who makes a murder bot, run it by me, but I'll probably approve. <laughs> anyway, so Tony, uh, stressed out, he's, he's like not talking to anybody. He's clearly like he's looking overwhelmed and unhappy. And he goes out into the hallway um, where there's like an elevator and there is a, a nice lady standing in front of the elevator waiting for it, apparently. I love her um, so much. And look, I was immediately like, oh, this is going to be this is going to be drama because I recognized Alfre Woodard. Mm -hmm. That's Alfre fucking Woodard standing in front of that elevator. Would you like to know about Alfre Woodard? Oh, please tell me. She's like one of my favorite actresses. She's amazing. Y'all have seen her before. Mm -hmm. You absolutely have. Um, She's been acting in TV and movies since the 70s. She's got 129 acting credits. She has made her bank and paid her bills as the black that lady. Of Hollywood. Um, But she has always, always turned out extraordinary performances like that transcend that ladiness. Oh, absolutely. She's worked a lot, but she's done amazing, amazing work. I know her best from Scrooged. Oh, remember Scrooge in 1988? She was the mom. I need to see that movie now. It's been forever since I've seen that movie. Bill Murray's a monster. To clarify, Bill Murray is a monster. Scrooged is a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Uh, but I also know her from Star Trek First Contact. Yeah. She was Lily. She was Zephram Cochran's, the one who actually made Zephram Cochran successful yeah. in, in achieving warp flight for the first time. Go figure. Um, have you ever seen, there's a there's a series out, it's more recent, called C? No. Okay, you need to watch it. I know, it's on my list. That's the one where everybody's blind and... Yeah, yeah. it's the one where everybody's blind. It's got Jason Momoa and Dave Bautista in the second season. Mm. Jason Momoa throughout, he's the main character. Mm. Uh, it's fucking brutal. It's amazing. And Alfre Woodard is in it. She plays a character named Paris. She's awesome. And she is now, uh, with this role, one of the rare actors who has a double MCU appearance. Oh. Because she's here as uh, Miriam is her name, although she never introduces herself in the scene, but she's credited as a character named Miriam. But she is also Mariah Dillard in Luke Cage. <gasps> You're, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And Luke Cage is canon, so okay. I love uh-huh. it. I love it. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, Miriam is here. And like, if you have handed a scene to Alfre Woodard, you have handed her a bomb. Oh my god, she just... And she's going to fucking drop it on someone. Yeah, so, <sighs> yeah, Tony pretends like he's looking for the restroom, but he's not. And no, he he's sees, escaping. Yeah, he's escaping. Uh, he sees her in the hallway, and she says to him, well, that was nice what you did for those young people, but I could tell right off the bat, because she's such a good actress, that there's, mm-hmm. like, fury and anger. Yeah, she's everything. got rage behind mm-hmm. that quiet voice. Uh, she brings up the fact that they say that there's a correlation between generosity and guilt, mm-hmm. uh, but she's like, oh, well, you have all the money. You can break as many eggs as you like, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like, uh-oh. Um, and that's when Tony catches on that something's up here, and he notices that she has not pushed the el- the button for the elevator. Nope. Yeah. And then she moves her hand into her purse, which would have, I remember the first time I saw this, I was like, oh, my uh-huh. God, she's going to fucking murder Tony. Right. Yeah. And Tony thinks the same thing because he thinks he's she's going to take out a gun and she goes for the purse and he relaxes immediately when, you know, he could tell that there was not a gun in there. Right. Because he grabs her hand to stop her. And then he's like, sorry, sorry. I just, you know, Mm -hmm. paranoid as fuck here. But she explains that she works for the HR in the State Department. It's not the most uh, exciting job, but Mm -hmm. it allowed her to raise her son. And this is where the movie breaks my fucking heart. Yeah, uh, because she basically describes that her son's name is Charlie Spencer. She takes out a picture from her purse, which is what she was grabbing, and shoves mm-hmm. the picture onto his chest, and yep. basically says, "You murdered him in Sokovia." What? Not that it matters in the least to you. Oh. And she says, "Who's going to avenge my son Stark? He's dead, and I blame you." And my heart is broken. Because that's, that's how fucking good she is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She gets like five minutes of screen time. She has completely destroyed a superhero. Yeah. She walks out. She's gone. She said her piece. She's done. She's in the movie for like maybe a minute and she makes like a huge impact. And I love oh, her. Stunning. She's so good. And Tony looks shook. Oh, yeah. Just amazing. Whew. Anyway, cut to the Avengers campus where Captain America is watching the news about the Lagos fiasco. Um, oops, 11 Wakandans were killed. Wakandans? Wakandans. Where have we heard that before? Well, we haven't. We have. <laughs> oh, that's right. Because in Age of Ultron, that's where they stole all the vibranium. Uh-oh. Because remember, Bruce didn't know how to say Wakanda. He was saying Wakanadia. God damn it. <laughs> To be fair to my psyche, I did forget most of Age of Ultron. 
That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. that's that's just healthy. <laughs> um, anyway, so Steve is watching that and he sees a speech from King T'Chaka uh, of Wakanda blaming the Avengers for this, for not taking the responsibility, for not having a care about, you know, the people, the innocent people that they hurt. Okay. So he turns it off, but he keeps hearing, he's hearing news coming from the other room. He goes in there and there's Wanda's room because it's like a dorm here. Everybody's got rooms at Avengers campus. Um, and honestly, where the hell else is she going to live? Right. Well, she doesn't have a home. It got blown yeah, up. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so she's watching the news where the pundits are all blaming her and saying, well, how does she have the legal authority to do stuff? Yeah. I had the headcanon that she's watching like a Fox News kind of channel. And they're yeah, bl- and, it, felt, it felt very Fox News. Yeah. And they're blaming the woman, not talking about any of the men. Hey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Anyway, Cap turns that off and they have a quick conversation where they basically establish that they each blame themselves. for what happened um she's like you know i should have been better at it or whatever and he's like yeah well as soon as he said bucky i was a 16 year old kid again so that's on me for not recognizing the vest and stuff so they're commiserating in their self-blame when vision walks through the wall yeah can i just tell you vision would be like the worst friend to have (laughs) just like what if i'm masturbating (laughs) well clearly because (laughs) Because Wanda's like, Viz, we talked about this. Yeah, like, that's probably happened. <laughs> like, you know, she he's walked through and she's been, like, changing. Yeah. Or something. Like, god damn it, man. And he's like, well, the door was open. So I thought, you know what? Never mind. Mr. Stark is here and he's brought a guest. Oh, God. Who's the guest, they ask? Oh, just the Secretary of State. Ugh. Oh, fun. Okay. So now we're at a conference table in a meeting with Thunderbolt Ross. I hate Ross. Who is now the Secretary of State. Hate him. Now, pause here. Remember, you remember how I said that Brian Cranston was going to come up in this movie again? Yeah. The original concept art for this scene shows Brian Cranston as General Ross. Wait, what? They were going to no recast idea him? Why. I don't. There was. I found nothing. I dug. I spent 20 minutes that I could have spent doing more productive things trying to discover if Brian Cranston was it was being considered for a recast for General Ross and stuff because like Hulk wasn't super like entirely MCU and like that's the movie that he was from and it was a really shitty movie. So do we want to like palate cleanse and get a whole other actor in here? I couldn't find anything confirming that but that uh, the looking at the concept art that is undeniably brian cranston wow that's amazing weird right yeah i love brian cranston oh my gosh yeah yeah uh i can't watch uh breaking bad past a certain point because i love him and i want to keep loving him so oh agreed agreed yeah Mm -hmm. anyway uh so general ross he's here uh and apparently he's he had a heart attack and that gave him some, and he survived it, you know, lots of surgery and stuff. That's and that bad. gave him some perspective. Yeah. And in my notes, it says good because he was a dick in Hulk. Yeah. Oh, he's still a dick. He's still a dick, but at least he's not like fucking Captain Ahab, you know? Yeah, fair. Fucking ridiculous. Anyway, he starts very diplomatic-y. Ma- diplomatic-y, because that's the word. <laughs> Diplomatic-ish. Diplomatically, <laughs> um, by telling them that the world owes the Avengers a debt they can never repay. You're right. But, so stop right there. Right. And that's it. Just say thank you and leave. Yeah, that's it. But no, he has to go on and say, but there are some people who would call you vigilantes. And that's like, well, what would you call us? And he says, dangerous. Oh, 
He goes on to say, what would you call a group of U.S.-based enhanced individuals who routinely ignore sovereign borders and routinely inflict their will wherever they choose and who frankly seem unconcerned about what they leave behind? Uh, I don't know about that last part. <laughs> and I'm like... But the rest well, of it any- is like, I am a superhero. I do superhero shit. That's what we fucking do. You want to call You're me a You're in a superhero movie, okay? Yeah. Calm down. But I'm like, dude, anything sounds bad when you say it like that. (laughs) Fuck. It's a matter of spin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it sounds bad. But that attitude? Shit. Anyway, he starts to do the trauma slideshow. Hate it. Uh, The rundown of their past fights using only the most traumatic footage from these encounters possible. Yeah. He starts with New York. Which is The Battle of New York. Not their fault. It was an alien invasion that they stopped. Exactly. I'm mm-hmm. watching this with Lucas, right? And everything that comes up, I'm like, New York, what the fuck were they supposed to do? Let Loki take over the planet yeah. or let the World Council nuke Manhattan? Apparently. Sure. Which, by the way, he- nuking Manhattan would not have fucking worked. That portal would have stayed open. It would have. The yeah. nuke would have done nothing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, then they cut to Washington, D.C. with the events of the Winter Soldier and they're showing the... Um, the giant fucking beefed up helicarriers crashing and people screaming and running because, again, most traumatic footage possible. Again, not and their like, fault. The alternative right. would have been to have murdered, let everyone die because that's what Hydra was doing. And Hydra oh, by the was way, about to arbitrarily murder like 17,000 people or like, more than that. Um, Hydra, oh, by the way, Hydra also infiltrated one of the most clandestine, clandestine, yeah, clandestine yeah. Uh, groups in the entire world to the highest levels. And, and the point he's about to make is that, you know, he's leading up to, and you guys need to be, need oversight. In New York, the group that was overseeing them was about to nuke Manhattan. In Washington, D.C., the group that was overseeing them was about to murder thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Arbitrarily, no crime committed. Yep. So, okay. Then he cuts to Sokovia, which fuck you that's for Tony, this up. And that's Tony Stark's fault. Yeah, that's exactly. Mm -hmm. That's all Tony. By the way, this whole meeting, Tony's in the corner saying nothing. Okay. But like, what the fuck were they supposed to do with Sokovia? Let Ultron destroy the planet? Right. But yeah, that that one is totally, it says in my notes, that one's on Tony. That's that's for for Ultron. Throw Tony in jail. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Lock Tony up. This isn't the Avengers fault. The Avengers were cleaning up his mess. Right. Then we get to Lagos, and they go through the traumatizing footage from that. And, of course, the last shot is a lingering close-up on a dead woman. Hate it. What the fuck? I hate him. Wanda flinches, and that's when Cap says, okay, that's enough. Uh, That was enough for me, too. I'm like, thank you. And I realize, after ranting against all of the accusations being thrown here, I'm Team Cap. The rest of this fucking movie, I am Team Cap. 150%. Yeah. Sorry, Tony, you are incorrect. Sorry. Yep. Anyway, Secretary Ross is like the governments of the world will no longer tolerate you guys running around unsupervised. So here's a novel that we called the Sokovia Accords. Mm -hmm. It's huge. It's like a 200 page document. Yeah. Document literally that's designed to hide all kinds of language and, you know, bullshit. And you don't need to read it to know that's a piece of shit. Absolutely. You don't need to read it to know that there is so much doublespeak in there and loopholes and bullshit. Like, absolutely not. We're not signing that. 
Anyway, 117 countries have approved it. The gist of the Sokovia Accords is that the Avengers will now answer to and be under the super supervision of a United Nations panel, and they will function in their superheroing capacity only when and if the panel deems it necessary. Okay. So this is where I'm going to make my point that fans of this movie are not going to like. Oh, and, I, and I'm going to say this with the caveat. I still love this movie. This line of logic is complete fucking bullshit. Like just like objectively, it's not this is this makes zero sense to me whatsoever. This is also okay. why I say what I say about um, Wanda doing, you know, on field training. Um, every military action. Innocent people die. That's just a fact. This is the way war works. And right. the Avengers have been fighting war. Um, to have the premise that the United Nations is this like is a perfect organization to oversee the Avengers. What you just had a movie where Hydra infiltrated Shield. You don't think they don't have people in the United Nations, the most right. bloated, bureaucratic, useless fucking organization in the oh history my. of the world? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, give me a fucking break. How about instead you provide people with training so they can make they can have better outcomes when, when they're at war. If you're going to have a Sokovia Accord thingy of oversight, we don't we don't have proper oversight today of our of our cops or our military. Mm-hmm. We really don't. Right. Yeah. You know? So I just this is where the for me the movie really fails. And I hmm. and I and I have to ignore it every time I watch this movie cuz it just it makes absolutely no sense to me. I know what they're trying to go for. I know they're saying regular human beings are intimidated by something different. They have developed mm-hmm. a bigotry towards enhanced enhanced people, and they're trying to suppress them, much like which was the story they were telling in the comic books with Civil War and the X Men. Mm-hmm. It's just it doesn't work for me. I'm just sorry. It just it's such bullshit. I can't. Well, okay, so maybe then. So I guess it's kind of a headcanon that I've got. Uh, so that sort of papers over this bullshit. I assumed immediately uh, when this was being pitched that it wasn't about like the United Nations. This is am- this is amazing saintly organization that will provide a level head and good judgment. I saw it a lot more as each of these countries is intensely jealous of the fact that the U.S. is the base for them, thus implying that the U.S. has any kind of control or say over how the Avengers are deployed. And so the countries, it's more about the United States than it is about the Avengers. Like, I definitely got a feeling more like all of these countries want a piece of that action. It's not that the Avengers need to be, uh, are, are unsafe for the world. It's more that all of these countries would like an opportunity to be able to deploy the Avengers as they see fit. I, I, That's how I interpreted it. I, I, I agree with the interpretation, but even in our world today, which is this is this is what happens. Countries are like we want a piece of the action, and we're like fuck y'all, and we we beat our chest. Right. Well, yeah. The the realistic, and that's where you know we're in, we're talking realism. It's a superhero movie. I know that that is the biggest stretch of the imagination for me is that the United States position on this is cooperative. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Like. In in the real world, the United States would be like, that's great. Um, I love y'all and I love to work with y'all. But these these are free United States citizens and we are not going to tell them what to do. And that's our party line right now. Uh, and if you want to try and come for them, we will fight you about it. And 
in so doing, we have now indebted them to us and they will work for us. Like, you know, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. I feel much more that the United States response to this would be, and fuck you too. Yeah. Uh, but much more diplomatically than that. Yeah. Like the Secretary of State would be out there wheeling and dealing to keep the Sokovia Accords as far away from their personal, from, from our nation's personal tack team as they possibly could. Agreed 100%. Okay. So we agree. It also, it felt, uh, that the Sokovia Accords was definitely an attempt to, um, to weaponize the Avengers for, for agenda purposes, which is an, which is a point that Steve will make. Yeah. That we don't work for agendas. We don't work for governments. Uh, and he says here as a retort to all this bullshit that Ross just laid out. The Avengers were formed to make the world a safer place. I feel we've done that. He's right. And he's right. But Ross comes back and he's like, hey, can you tell me where Thor and Banner are right now? Oh, my gosh. And I was like, they're not on this planet, motherfucker. They're not of this, well, you know. Exactly. But he says, if I misplaced a couple of 30 megaton nukes, you can bet there'd be consequences. And I'm like, Steve, the response here is 30 megaton nukes aren't people with feelings and judgment and moral compasses of their own. See, I would have said... We aren't weapons, you motherfucker. Yeah, I would see, I would have said, oh, you mean like the kind of nuke that y'all tried to fire at New York? Right. Yeah. Y'all can't be trusted with nukes either. Maybe we should come collect those. And, and this is why I am shocked that Tony even uh, bothered to consider this because, you know, Exhibit A, the nuke they, they shot at New York, Exhibit B, right. Hydra invaded S.H.I.E.L.D. This is a fucking terrible idea. Well, Tony's not thinking clearly. Tony's running on guilt and guilt alone. Such a selfish prick. Ugh. Well, yeah, yeah. His to assuage his guilt, he will change the structure of the planet. Yeah. And he will enslave his friends to this government agency. Like, fucking Tony. He was a guy who had, like, no reverence whatsoever for any fucking rules. And right. This is a this, and we'll get into it, and you know, we'll get to that. There's yeah. a scene where where we can dive into that. Let's get to it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, ultimately, there's going to be a meeting of the UN in three days. Three days. They've been given three days notice for this. Nice. Great. You guys had time to write this novel, but you're not telling us about it until it's in three days. Fuck you. Um, they're going to be ratifying the accords, and that's like. So, what are you going to do if we don't decide to sign this? And or what do what do we do? What if we decide not to do this? And Ross is like, then you retire. <laughs> okay, sure, sure, sure Jan. Jan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, um, cut to Cleveland. 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 What's happening in Cleveland, Chris? Apparently, there's a car accident. <laughs> sure. <laughs> in an RV park. Uh, uh, yeah. So there's it's a guy. Not an RV park. It's a house. It's just a really shitty house. Okay. So there's a guy inside, and he hears a noise, and he looks out the window, and apparently another dude accidentally jumped the curb, apparently, and crashed a strangely, his car. A strangely sexy man. An extremely hot, sexy <laughs> nerd. See, I would have flung my door open and be like, "Come inside, please." <laughs> Hold on. I need. I'm getting my pants off. You come on in here. <laughs> anyway. Forward. So uh, this nerd guy is like, hey, I jumped the curb. Uh, you know, if you want to call the cops, I understand. But, you know, I really kind of want to take care of this. The guy's like, no, no, no cops. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the scene cuts. And um, it turns out that the nerd guy found the Winter Soldier book Well, he in a busts wall. in the door. The guy unlocks the door. And, the, and, the, oh, and yeah, yeah. the hot nerd from outside just fucking bum rushes him and slams in. But go on. And I, 
Yeah, that's part of my fantasy. It's also hot. Yeah, also yeah. hot. Yeah, so uh, uh, this nerd guy busts down a wall, finds the, the, the book, the journal. The Red Dream Journal, yeah. <laughs> and um, he looks up the colonel guy who is apparently being hung upside down over a sink that is slowly filling with water. Yes. Which is a, by the way, a legitimate way people have tortured people. But did you notice, I noticed, that this guy's mouth remains above the surface of the water no matter how much the sink fills up? Like, he's fine? Well, the thing is that when you're hung upside down, you have all that water going into your nose. It doesn't fucking matter because your mouth... It's not going to drown you, though. Like, it's got to get into your lungs, and that's against gravity. So I, I forget the... I forget the name of the torture device, but this will choke you. I mean, I guess. I mean, if you want to try it out right now, we can. No, I don't. I'm, you know, I'm. <laughs> I, you know, maybe I'm just showing my ignorance. I'm not super well versed in torture techniques. Yeah. Um, anyway, this guy that's being hung upside down in the sink is the dude who triggered the Winter Soldier in 1991. <gasps> Same guy. And he asks the sexy man uh, who he is, and he says that his name is Zemo. Mm. And he starts asking for mission report December 16, 1991. Hey, Steph, would you like to know about Zemo? I would love to know about Zemo. Uh, A.K.A. Helmet Zemo, which is an unfortunate name. He will later be known as Baron Zemo. Thank Mm. fucking God for fixing that. He made his debut in Captain America number 168 in 1973. Oh wow! He's an older, uh, older villain. Uh, yeah, he's a mastermind. Really fucking hates Captain America, but it's also fucked around a lot with the Avengers in general. He has a very long history. He's considered one of the uh, top villains in the MCU, mm-hmm. and he's hot. Even in the comics, <laughs> he's, he's hot. hot with a stupid ass purple mask. He's hot. <laughs> he's hot. I don't. I you know. I guess I just love a. I love a scruffy evil nerd. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, this guy's like, how did you even find me? And Zemo's like, you remember, you remember when Black Widow released all of Hydra's secret files to the internet? Yeah, I've been going through those and deciphering them with a lot of patience. (laughs) Whoops. Uh, Yeah. And he's like, so I'm going to ask you again. Mission report, December 16, 1991. The guy clearly clams up. He's not going to say anything. And then Zemo comes over he turns the water off and he hunkers down real close to the guy and i'm like <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and he says hydra deserves its place on the ash heap so your death would not bother me but i'd have to use this book and other bloodier methods to find what i need uh-huh. and i don't look uh, he says he doesn't look forward to that he doesn't want to do that so if you die you're only going to die for your pride like, he's like, I'm going to find the information anyway. You might as well just tell me. And the guy decides to die, says Hail Hydra, and drowns in the sink. Bye, bitch. <laughs> Bye. Um, and so I am then conflicted going forward into this movie because I, I don't... The first time I watched this, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Who the fuck is Zemo? What, what is the 1991? I don't... What's happening? Who? Yeah. yeah. I don't understand. Uh, it was deeply confusing, which is great. And I imagine this right here, everything to do with Zemo is probably what the Russo brothers are calling the the spy and espionage shit. Yeah, I think so. But there's so much else happening. Like the first time I watched this, I didn't even remember that the opening scene with the Winter Soldier happened in 1991. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. so much else happened in the movie. By the time we got to Zemo, I didn't even remember what the fuck he was talking about. 
it's it's a it's kind of a challenge with these Marvel movies lately when they're super long and there's so yeah. much shit that happens. And when so when they and the Russo brothers in particular, they really like like pointing out something and making that but making it feel like a very minute detail, but it turns out it's a very pivotal story thing. Right. You know. And I just it I, I just completely lost the thread on that. Yeah. And maybe that's yeah. a failing on me as the movie viewer. Yeah. Uh, but I just feel like there's there's so much else happening in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's, Speaking it, of, you know what yeah. it feels you know what it feels like it feels huh. like an Agent Carter episode. <laughs> it does, right? It feels like like a like a dozen Agent Carter mo- episodes smashed together, <laughs> right? In fifteen minute time span. Yeah, there's so much happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of, uh, we cut back to the Avengers argument already in progress. Yay. Uh, there, like, clearly, there are some people who are already 100% on board with the Accords. Rhodey. Yeah, Rhodey's all into it. Sam is not. Yeah, uh, but Rhodey absolutely would be. He's the military man. But Rhodey, yeah, of course. But so yeah. is Sam. Sam's former military. Yeah. Sam was failed by his military. Sam has a, mm. has a much more jaded perspective. Rhodey is still an Air Force colonel. You're, that's a good point. Good point. So he's still in the machine. Yeah. Um, so I wrote yeah, I wrote my notes uh, during this argument. Oh, apparently Vision knows math. Because <laughs> he says, I have an equation. What does that mean? Do you think Vision doesn't know math? Of course Vision knows math. But the way he said it was weird. <laughs> well, he w- he does describe an equation. Uh, where right. he, he's basically like the it's the um, proportional increase of, of response to their strength uh, is, you know, it's there's an escalation. Right. As they get stronger, their their bad guys get stronger. And so things are just going to continue to escalate. He says our very strength invites challenge. Challenge incites conflict and conflict breeds catastrophe. And like, yeah, that's how superheroes work, man. Yeah. They were coming for Earth no matter what. Right. Loki was going to come and attack Earth anyway. Yeah. Loki attacking Earth had nothing to do with the Avengers. It was because Thor liked it there. Yeah. Like, Ultron is definitely Tony's fault, though. Uh, He doesn't get to get the hook for that one. That was Tony and Banner. They did that. Um, But yeah, this this whole argument is just... The thing is, is everybody's kind of right. Yeah. Like... Vision's correct. There has been an escalation in proportional response. And as their bad guys escalate, they have to escalate to respond to them. And then the bad guys escalate again, like every new conflict is bigger. Um, but Steve points out that the Accords just shift the blame. He's right. That they, if they allow themselves to, to be taken over by this UN panel, then they're no longer responsible for their actions. The UN is responsible. And so that's actually more dangerous for them because now they're not holding themselves personally responsible for what they do. And that's, yep. that's right. Yep. Nat points out, Tony, you're being uncharacteristically non-hyperverbal. Yeah. Which, which was great. Ugh. Because of everybody in this room, she's known him the longest. Yeah, and also Stark is not one to shut the fuck up. He's just laying there like like he's got a headache because he's probably got a headache. Um, but yeah, she points out that he's not talking and Cap goes, yeah, because he's already made up his mind. Because guess who else knows Tony very well? Yep. Mm-hmm. And Tony, in classic Tony Stark fashion, has to like 
take a long walk around to his point and sort of slip it in there in between being charismatic. Like he's, he's got to babble about some stuff and like yell at them about putting coffee grounds in the disposal and shit. And then boop, he pops up the picture of Charlie Spencer. Which is a uh, Stark tech bullshit for one. There you go. And then, yeah, he explains that Charlie Spencer spent his summer trying to build uh, inexpensive housing in Sokovia and died in the battle of Sokovia by having a building dropped on his head. Yeah, he he says he wanted to make a difference, I suppose. I mean, we won't know because we dropped a building on him while we were kicking ass. Uh, specifically, you dropped a building on him while you saved the entire fucking planet because of something you did. Right. Exactly. Uh, but Tony is going to make the entire group bear the burden of his personal guilt Ugh. in this situation rather than allow them to decide how much guilt they feel about the situation. Okay. Um, he says we need to be put in check. He is 100% in favor of the Accords. He's probably already signed it by now. Um, and we have come a long way, Tony, from I have successfully privatized world peace. Right. Yeah. Anyway, this is where Cap continues to stick to his guns. He's like, no, we're not, I, I'm not signing this. Uh, we cannot be under oversight of governments. Um, he does not trust government authority for no, good reason. For good reason. But look at his entire history. Mm-hmm. Why would he ever? Between uh, being used as a figurehead by the U.S. government during World War II rather than what he could actually be. Yep. Uh, and then seeing S.H.I.E.L.D. get taken over by HYDRA. And being yeah. betrayed on that front and, and, and such. Like, no. Rhodey is like, but but governments and I we need to be overseen by them. They're the United Nations. He says, like, maybe that means, like he's saying, I mean, they're Santa Claus. Like, they're so good. Like, <laughs> Santa Claus. And Cap points out, no, it's, it's governments and governments are run by people with agendas and agendas change. Yep. What do we do? What if they send us somewhere we shouldn't go? What if they don't let us go somewhere we need to go? Like, we cannot be micromanaged like this by somebody with agendas. Like, can you imagine? Because, look, our government alone has done some shady shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, many, how many government coups have we enabled just, including, just, including just one in of our, our own. hemisphere alone, <laughs> including, yeah, right? Just in our hemisphere alone, we have like official government actions to help overthrow other countries. Can you imagine if a government that wanted to overthrow another country had the Avengers at their beck and call? Oh my God. Had the ability to manipulate a UN panel to deploy the Avengers in a certain way? Come on now. Come on. I'm, I'm team cap. Anyway, uh, Tony does point out if we don't agree now, they will come back at us with something that we have a lot less say in. That's fine. What are they going to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are they going to fucking do? Captain America knows he's an 800-pound gorilla. There's nothing they can do about him. Yeah. And as long as he stays figurehead of this team, there's nothing that they're going to be able to do about the team, which I I don't know. Maybe I'm just a pessimist. That, to me, says that Cap's going to get assassinated. Like, <laughs> And isn't that what happens in the comics? That's what happens in the comics, yeah. Because he's a whole ass problem. He's yeah. an obstacle. I love him. I love him for that. I love that for him. Anyway, Tony pointing out that they could, if they agree now, they could at least have some say in the matter is what sways Natasha. Yeah. Which is that, weird to me. Well, I, I think this is the point where she decides she's going to play double agent. Yeah? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, I can see that. She's also painfully pragmatic. She came from the Soviet Union system. Mm -hmm. So to her, it's like, you know, government is going to be there constantly being assholes. I'm used to it. You need to, she, she would be, I think, more of the mindset of being able to figure out how to operate from within the system. Exactly. And also she, she's, she's uh, got red in her ledger still. Yeah. Yeah. She's on an ongoing redemption arc here. Yeah. She's like, look, we don't have a great public uh, opinion right now. We need to do something about that. And this is probably the easiest way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I she's love that not Sam, wrong. Uh, yeah. But I love that Sam immediately called her out. He was like, aren't you the same woman who told the government to kiss your ass a few years ago? Whoops. But she did. She did. And then Tony's like, oh, my God, did you disagree with me? And she's like, oh, I want to take it back. <laughs> oh, no. That's actually, that's when she decides to be double agent. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this whole argument could have gone round and round circles, ad nauseum, forever and ever, amen. But Cap gets a text. Okay, we're going to skip this whole part right now. We are not. The text says two sentences. She's gone in her sleep. And he just reads that and gets up and says he has to go. And he's out. And everybody's just like, what? Where? Okay. Because who's gone, Chris? I hate you so fucking much. Who's gone, Chris? Peggy. Peggy Carter has died. You know. Of old age in her sleep. There was a period of time where I thought this was a, you know, a sad for Captain scene. Um... And I felt bad for him, but I wasn't particularly emotionally invested in it. Right. And then, and then some I, bitch made you watch the woman's show. And so I watched this movie for the first time since uh, watching Agent Carter. Oh, and I no. fucking broke down really bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also said, fuck you, Stephanie. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah. Oh, my work here is done. I have in my notes, I don't want to fucking discuss this scene, but Steph is going to make me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's important because this is where Cap gets his mission statement. Like, if yeah. he was wavering at all in his convictions, this funeral clenches it. And look, it is sad. It's sad that Peggy's dead. But she got a luxury that so few spies get, which is to die peacefully at home in her bed. Yeah. That is a blessing in and of itself. Given, <sighs> given who she's pissed off in her life, come on. True, true. I mean, anyway, yeah, the list of enemies is pretty long, I'm sure. It, her funeral is huge. It fills oh up this God. church. And look, I cannot, I am not, I am not equipped to handle Steve Rogers barely holding back tears while carrying a casket draped in the British flag. I can't. Can't, can't do it. Can't I cannot. Do it. Fuck you and your stupid face. Chris Evans. <laughs> <laughs> hate it. I love it. I hate it. Uh, anyway, so he's he's one of her pallbearers. And like you could do worse in life if you live your life in such a way that Captain America is one of your pallbearers. Yeah, I put in my notes. He also probably could have like lifted that casket by himself. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't have been too terribly heavy. It would have been awkward. It's a weird yeah. shape to carry yeah. by yourself. But yeah, no, he could have done it alone. But it was when I saw that picture of Peggy with the flowers. That's when oh, I yeah. fucking broke down. God damn it. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little odd that at her funeral, they show the picture of her in her prime, in her 20s, instead yeah. of instead of when she was older. But they needed to remind the audience who we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just a picture of young her. It's a picture of her from 
Captain America, the first Avenger. Right. Also, Asia Carter got canceled only a couple months prior. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's its own, its own backstage drama. Yeah. Because yeah. Haley Atwell was not thrilled with the casting of Sharon Carter. Nope. And she made, she made her displeasure known that with between the casting of Sharon Carter as a sort of replacement Peggy situation and the cancellation of Agent Carter, Haley Atwell let her bitch flag fly. Oh, she sure did. And, and I'm here. Um, I, I celebrate her. I, I, you know, she got, she got a little personal attacky against the actress whose name I can't remember and didn't write down because we've seen her before. Who's yeah. playing Sharon. Uh, and that was, uh, that was a little extra petty. But I mean, other than that, like that's that's the level of claws out that uh, actresses in Hollywood have to be. Yep. yep. She just she just took it public because social media was a thing. That's all. I still celebrate her because anyway. I love I love Peggy Carter. Yeah. Adored. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, so the the bishop gets up to the front and he's like, and now for a word from Sharon Carter. What? Who? Sam sees it because Steve's like lost in his thoughts or whatever. Sam sees Sharon Carter, the agent from the Winter Soldier. It was spying on fucking Steve from in the same apartment building. Yeah, the one that he like asked out for coffee or whatever. And then she turned out to be a spy. That whole thing. It's her. She's stepping up to the podium here. um, And she says that 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 Peggy was her aunt. That's Aunt Peggy. Yep. But, you know, that was a lot to live up to. She never told anybody they were related, etc. Pause. Whose kid is she? I don't know. Exactly. Like, her brother died. Right. We don't know of any other siblings. Peggy only ever mentioned having a brother. Yeah. But, and it's not like an honorary aunt title. Because her last name is Carter. So whose kid is this? I don't know. I, I, I have that in my notes, too. Like, how does this fucking work? And I think this is indicative of, because this was very much like a scrambling to put this character in here. This mm-hmm. is actually a really weak part of the script for me. I, I don't mind this I character. Agree. I like her quite a bit. No, Sharon Carter is... Okay, so let's talk about... Oh, okay, do. Sharon Carter. Uh, in the comics, uh, Sharon Carter first appeared in Tales of Suspense, number 75, March mm-hmm. 1966. Oh, wow. Sharon was the younger sister... Of Peggy oh. Carter. Oh. Um, she was a, loved, uh, a wartime love interest of Captain America, which was later retconned as Peggy's grandniece because of an unaging nature of comic book characters, blah, blah, blah. Uh, she has no superpowers. She worked uh, with, with S.H.I.E.L.D. under Nick Fury, uh, then became kind of a, a spy for hire, and then eventually she assassinates Captain America. <laughs> oh, okay. What the fuck? Does she make out with them first? Cause... Uh, oh, they boned. Yeah, for sure. Okay, good. good Which, good, you good. know, I that's what I would do, too. I would absolutely make sure to get yep. some of the goods before I killed them. Right. Anyway. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, is that is that's a, on Sharon Carter? That's it. Okay. So she's up there. And look, I don't like the, what they've done with her hair. It's not yeah, very flattering to the shape much. of her face. I just didn't like yeah. it's in her eyes a lot. Anyway. It was um, a funeral. But she's talking about Peggy and like how how did Peggy balance... Uh, and try and and succeed in diplomacy and spycraft and such when in a time when nobody wanted to see a woman succeed in either of those things. And she says that Peggy told her, compromise where you can, where you can't, don't. 
even if everyone is telling you that something wrong is something right. Even if the whole world is telling you to move, it is your duty to plant yourself like a tree, look them in the eye and say no. You move. Boom. And I love that. And that hit Cap right in the heart, which it should, because it's actually his line from the comics. Yep. That's what I don't know any more than that. I just know that it's actually. I was I, w- I was going to point that out too, but okay. Good job. But you call it, do you have more information on that? Who no, it's just that's like a that? that's a from a famous issue where Captain America literally just says that. I don't that's know if it was in the Civil War comic books. I think it's an older quote, but I think nonetheless, it's a, it's a very cool quote. It's a very and cool it's quote. very cap, and it further supports uh, our position from way back that Peggy Carter is just Captain America in a skirt. Pretty much, yeah. Anyway, so we've gotten through the funeral. We are um, hanging out. Steve is hanging out in the church after Natasha walks up. And I would like to put this as a ding on the Avengers are terrible friends counter. Yeah. With the exception of Natasha and Sam. Because they're the only ones who show up for Steve when he's grieving. I have the same thing in my notes. I'm like, why is it Natasha and Sam are the only ones? Where the fuck is Tony? Like, like where the where the fuck are the rest of you? Like yeah. I mean, do we have to headcanon that you guys were like texting him being like, Oh, that sucks, buddy? Like <laughs> They're on Twitter. I, I'm here for you, man. If you need anything, just not right now. <laughs> anyway, they have a quick little uh, commiserate about the funeral, and then Steve pivots away from that because he's having a feel. And so he asks her who has signed the accords, and so far it's been Tony, Tony, Rody, Natasha, of course, and Vision. Uh mm-hmm. Clint claims he is retired. Wanda has not decided yet. Um, Natasha is going to be going to Vienna for the signing of the Accords. Offers Steve a ride to go with her. That's nice. And implied sign the Accords too. Yeah. And he's like, I just, I don't, I don't know. And she tries to make one last appeal where she basically tells him staying together is more important than how we stay together. Yeah. Because if if some of them sign it and some of them don't, the, the team is split up. There goes that uh, Natasha is so fucking pragmatic. She's too pragmatic. Right. That's a problem. She wants to keep the team together. Yeah. The thing is, is she'll sign the accord. I think if she, she knows that if it ever doesn't serve her, she'll just fucking burn it. Oh, absolutely. And, and no longer abide by it. If Steve signs it, he's too fucking honorable. He will abide by it. That's why yeah. he can't sign it. Whereas yeah. Natasha, Natasha knows that she can just be like, meh fuck this i'm not doing this anymore and leave (laughs) but if steve signs it that's it he's practically fucking married now right um anyway he's like i'm sorry i can't what are you doing here (laughs) like why natasha why are you here yeah and she just looks at him and says i didn't want you to be alone and i fucking cried again his face damn it crumbled she pulls him in for a hug and i'm like i also need a hug right now (laughs) (laughs) but i'm not not sad for long because we immediately cut to a beautiful black man in a suit in vienna i i I get sadder boomer boomer wants to talk about this beautiful man too come here boomer Boomer. (laughs) come here don't just sit there and meow at me oh my god she's just here to yell at me fucking I just wanted to be a disruption. (laughs) (laughs) She brushed against my foot. God damn it. You're like an undersea menace. Here she is. 
She refuses to purr into the microphone now. She's like, I'm not your I, I'm not your yeah, I'm not your your toy. <laughs> <laughs> I will no longer be your slave. <laughs> anyway. Um yes, it is sad. It is sad because that is in fact Chadwick Bozeman, uh, and he has since passed. Mm-hmm. But he's like, can we just can we just absolutely adore his performance, please? Oh, like, absolutely. Absolutely. The choice to make the voice of this is he's T'Challa here. We don't know that right away. We will find that out as the conversation goes on. But just from his voice, he is soft spoken. He has this gentle, beautiful, lyrical voice. Nobody talks like this. Nope. It's so. And there is such a like we we've talked about this when we were talking about Darth Maul over in uh, Dark Side Divas. There's such a power in being soft spoken. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's such a such a confidence in that, and it's so. It's I just nice. I just fucking love him. So let's talk about let's talk about Chadwick Boseman real quick. All right. Yeah, scroll all the way up in my notes. Uh, <laughs> so as we so will many find notes. out, as we find as we will find out as the movie progresses, uh, this is T'Challa, Prince of Wakanda. Um, and spoiler alert, he's also the Black Panther. <gasps> um, oh my gosh! Being played by Chadwick Boseman. Now Chadwick Boseman is an American actor, and for a long time his career was one-off TV roles. Uh, he did CSI, ER, Lie to Me, Castle, Justified, Fringe. He was everywhere. But then he got the role in a movie called 42, in which he played the first African-American Major League Baseball player, Jackie Robinson. Yep. I love that and movie, by the way. It's so good. In 2014, he played music legend James Brown in Get On Up. And in 2016, he became the Prince of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. There was always a certain power and gravitas to his performance, even when he was just a random dude in an episode of Lie to Me. There's always this, this strength to his performance. And when the, when Hollywood finally caught on to that, they immediately were like, landmark character, landmark character. Yeah, like, yeah. get him in there. Oh my God. Uh, and he's fucking perfect. I can't imagine anybody else in this role ever. Uh, speaking of which, the Black Panther. Oh, he made he made his debut in the Fantastic Four issue number fifty two in July nineteen sixty six. Steph, wow! I didn't know he was. I didn't know he was that old. I didn't know he was in the Fantastic Four. Well, that's when he made their, his appearance. Comics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he uh, he is a Stanley Jack Kirby original. I love him. I love I love that. Uh, the comic book character is very similar to the MCU character. Only difference is that. The comic book made a point that uh, T'Challa was a genius. He was really good at, at academics in college and an athlete. So mm-hmm. here we go. He was amazing. Um, pause real quick. Aren't you supposed to leave soon? In like four minutes. <laughs> I'm going to be late. You're just going to be late and I'm so sorry. Do you need to like do anything about your lift or anything? I don't know yet. They Lyft hasn't said anything. <laughs> well, they don't know that you're running late in a podcast recording. Uh, my Lyft hasn't even activated yet, so I'm just going to blame Lyft for being late. 
(laughs) There you go. Anyway, uh, so this beautiful man, uh, he encounters Miss Romanoff walking around. Uh, This is the UN meeting. Uh, And they talk for a moment and establish that he disapproves of all of this politicking. He says, Two people in a room can get more done than a hundred. And right then, an older man walks up and says, Unless you need to move a piano. (laughs) That would be King T'Chaka. That is his father. Hi, Dad. Um, Hi, Dad. And Mm -hmm. uh, would you like to know about King T'Chaka? Please. King T'Chaka of Wakanda is being played by John Connie. He is a South African actor, and there's a reason he's playing the king here. And that's because this man is gravitas. He is a Shakespearean actor. He has been, he's done a bunch of Shakespearean movies. He did Othello, in which he played Othello. Oh. Uh, in the 2011 uh, version of Coriolanus with Ray Fiennes, he plays General Cominius. Uh, in the live-action Lion King, he is Rafiki. Right. And I count that as Shakespeare because that shit's Hamlet. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, uh, so yeah, John Connie's fucking great. And he's he's got the bearing and the regal to be playing this king here. And so um, Natasha's like, I just want to officially apologize for that whole Lagos thing. And he's like, that's cool. Um, It was a lot lot more dignified than all of that. But I just just love this quick scene that we have with him and T'Challa. They are so happy yeah just to be with each other like there is a tangible sense of peace particularly from t'challa being there with his dad whoops yeah we're gonna fuck that up real we're gonna fuck that up really quick and you know who i would like to blame you know who i would like to blame for fucking this up who whoever was in charge of putting this meeting in this fucking room uh in front of a big ass glass window giant windows you know what we're gonna do we're gonna put world leaders at a podium with their back to the giant fucking window i'm sure nothing could possibly go wrong with this arrangement oops god damn it anyway king t'chaka who is apparently the driving force behind this whole put a leash on the avengers thing and who could blame him he gets up there to the podium and he starts talking about how it was stolen wakandan vibranium that was used to create a monster yeah. A horrible weapon, a.k.a. Ultron. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that made Wakanda reevaluate their international policy. So they started doing outreach. They're doing that in Nigeria and their people got killed. Whoops. So while he's talking, though, T'Challa happens to look out the giant window and see, <laughs> and see some local police investigating a van and clearly reacting to what appears to be a bomb scare. Like, they got the dogs out and everything. The cops are about to scatter. This thing's about to go off. He sees it. He yells at everybody to get down. He dives for his father. Um, A very athletic leap. Right. Through the air. Like, that was a hell of a jump. He dives for his father, but he falls short. The bomb goes off. And that's that's it for King T'Challa. No, dear. King T'Chaka. T'Chaka, sorry. Wait. Yep, you're right. T'Challa finds his father dead in the rubble. And he's not happy at all. Uh, No, no, he's not. (laughs) Meanwhile, back in London, Steve and Sharon are awkwardly trying to figure out if they're going to have post-funeral sex. (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong. I have that uh, something similar in my notes, too. Like, oh, my God, are they going to bang after after Steve finds out that Sharon is related to Peggy? Like, what are the rules behind this? Is this not icky at all? 
I mean, I don't think so. But is it only not icky because Peggy's dead now? Is that is that make it okay? I don't I don't know. Like I I I have had a situation before where I banged a guy and I didn't want to talk to him anymore. But then I talked to his brother on Scruff. Oh, baby. And so I banged him and he's turned out to be a really good friend of mine. Okay, so, well, good. But his brother didn't die, so it's different. I don't know. Like I don't <laughs> I don't know what the It's what, different though. Like, I mean it's not it's not like Sharon's her daughter or anything. Yeah. Unless maybe it's like a secret daughter. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, anyway, she may not be even be related. As we just discussed, we don't even know who the fuck the. We don't even know how she's related. Like yeah. what? Anyway, they're walking through. Uh, you know, Steve's walking her back to her hotel, and they're walking through the lobby. And she's talking about how you know, her mom, whoever that was, didn't want her to enlist, but Peggy was always in support of it, and in fact, bought her her first thigh holster. Do you remember Peggy's first thigh holster? Yeah. It was made for her by Anna Jarvis. <laughs> God damn it. Who's probably also dead now. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, how dare you? Oh. <laughs> it's worse than Anthony. Okay. Anyway, so now they're awkwardly outside the elevator and they're definitely like flirting and maybe maybe I invite him up, maybe I don't. We don't know. The decision never gets to be made. Sam interrupts them. Yeah, thank he's God. like, hey, you need to see this. And they're watching the news coverage of the bomb in Vienna. Yeah. And, and hey, very quickly, the authorities have a suspect. Huh. Whoever could it be? Uh, They have a picture of Bucky. What? How? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of weird. And they say in the news broadcast, James Buchanan Barnes, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier. Like. Okay. What? She's popular. <laughs> yeah. And there's a there's a picture like a screen ca- screen grab from video that looks an awful fucking lot like Bucky, and Whoops. like oh fuck, I guess we're doing yeah. this now. Yeah. Shit. So back in Vienna, the bomb scene, everything is still like emergency services everywhere and stuff. T'Challa is sitting on a bench, looking completely shell shocked. Um, Natasha sits down near him, and he's like, "Hey, buddy." You're just trying to console him. Are you okay? And he. He tells her, In my culture, death is not the end. It's more of a stepping off point. And But he is not his father, and he puts mm-hmm. on the ring. And he's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to go kill this motherfucker myself. Right. And yeah. she's like, you don't need to do that. There's a task force. And she thinks that he's just a guy. Yeah. So she's like, don't, please, if you, and you know, Natasha's like, if you fucking go after this guy, you're going to get killed. Right. Because it's the goddamn winter soldier. But he takes off. He walks away and Nat gets distracted because Steve has called her. And she can tell immediately from the background noise that he is there in Vienna and in fact, nearby. Whoops. Because she's a spy. And I guess that's where the, that's where the spy stuff is happening. It's spy stuff. And also- also, you can tell it's spy stuff because Steve ha- is in disguise. He has a hat and sunglasses on. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, um, she, he's, she's like, you need to stay home. Do not go after Barnes. I know how much he means to you, but don't. You will just get arrested. That's how it happens now. And Steve says, If he's this far gone, man, I should be the one to bring him in. Why? Because I'm the one least likely to die trying. Yeah. And that is a valid point. It's a fact. So then Steve meets up with Sam in the bar. And Sam also has a hat 
and glasses. That's sunglasses the on. Superhero disguise. Yeah, standing next to each other looks really stupid. They look like they both have the same disguise on, just different colors. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. No. Anyway, Sharon is helping them, gives them a file on Barnes's location, and tells them that this is all the head start they get because she's got to go brief her superiors at the CIA right yep. now. And oh, by the way, they have orders to shoot on site. That's yeah. nice. That's nice. Boom. And then we cut to, again, so confusing. Now we're at Zemo in a German hotel. He's practicing Russian. A lady delivers him breakfast at the door. And when he is getting his breakfast, we see that he has a weird device in his closet. And we're done. And that's it. That's we it. We bounce away from that. You're right. It does He's, feel like an Agent Carter It's Agent episode. Carter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see Bucky Barnes at a Aww. farmer's market, apparently in Bucharest. His wig is terrible. Yeah, but he looks so good. I, yeah, the wig is bad, but it, he's wearing a hat, so it's fine. It's better here. It's worse later. <laughs> um, and did you notice he's speaking Romanian? Oh, he speaks all the languages, including the well, language of love. Sebastian, <laughs> yes. Sebastian Stan speaks Romanian. Oh. He's a Romanian-American. Sure, sure. Yeah, he speaks Romanian. Um, so he's buying plums. <laughs> buying, <laughs> buying plums in the in the market. And then I'm like, no, 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 nobody recognize him. Just let the man buy his fucking plums in peace. Can we just, because he looks normal and almost relaxed, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, but then he looks across the street to the newsstand guy and the newsstand guy is staring right at him. And uh-huh. then the dude just bolts out of the newsstand and Bucky's like, okay, that's not normal. Uh, so Bucky races across the street looks down and sees the newspaper with a picture of him on it oh yeah and he's like shit (laughs) damn it and you notice Bucky is also wearing the same kind of single color baseball cap that cap so just like how so just like how Jedi and Star Wars wear hoods over their heads (laughs) superheroes are gonna wear baseball cap hats and sunglasses okay fine yeah that's how it works Anyway, cut to Steve standing in full Captain America gear in a shitty apartment. Yep. He's looking around at it. Um, It's bad. There's like a mattress on the floor and stuff. It's not great. He finds like a a journal on top of the fridge. It's got a picture of his face in it. Aww. And then... I have a book like that too. (laughs) (laughs) Then Sam comes over the radio and lets him know that the German force, special forces are incoming right behind Steve. Surprise, Bucky. It's his apartment. Yeah. And so Steve turns around and he's like, do you know me? And Bucky says, you're Steve. I read about you in a museum. Which he did. That's true. That's a, he's telling the truth. Yeah. And I, do you think he has other memories? He's just not, a, he's just not entirely sure of them here. Like that's I what's think, going on. I don't know. Part of me got the impression that he wants to protect Steve by like trying to pretend that he doesn't know who he is so he can go away. So then he can, do, it, he's being he can do his Winter cagey. Soldier shit. Yeah. Yeah. He's being very cagey here. Um, but he does tell Steve that that wasn't me in Vienna. I don't do that anymore. And Steve's right. like, okay, but the cops are coming. Um, and they're not planning on taking you alive. And Bucky's response here was, that's smart. That's a good strategy. Yeah. To kill him, to not take him alive. That's oh, That's the strategy that he thinks is smart. Uh-oh. That doesn't sound good at all. Yeah. So- <laughs> I'm just, Steve, maybe a little caution here. Like, that's not entirely your friend. He's been through some shit. Just saying. 
Anyway, uh, Sam is like, you know what? The cops are here. I'm compromised. Everything's happening right now. And they're definitely right outside. You can hear them. And Steve says to Bucky, this doesn't have to end in a fight, Buck. It always ends in a fight. Says Bucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Steve's like, why did you pull me from the river? And I don't know. And can we not have a heart to heart right now is what I'm thinking because the cops are trying to breach the door. The fight is on. Uh, and this whole action, the, the whole action sequence from this point to the, you know, where we're going to end this is yeah. insane. Um, I fucking love it. Yeah. Um, one of the best things about this is, I'm trying to find, where is it? There it is. Sorry. I had to scroll through my notes. Um, one of the best things about this is that by this point in in their you know development through the MCU, Chris Evans and Sebastian Stan are incredibly good mm-hmm. at fight choreography. Oh yeah, There's, and Sebastian Stan in particular, he's beefy as fuck in this movie. Yeah, he is. He is not a naturally beefy dude, mm-hmm. but he is slabs of muscle on him. And like, thank you, sir. Congratulations, <laughs> Jim. But it's also because he spent months in preparation and learning the fight choreography and the training. So Chris Evans and Sebastian Stan are doing like 90% of their own fight choreography and stunts in this movie. I love that. If you can see their face, it's them. Period. And they just fucking love that. Like the the people who coordinate the stunts and do the fight choreography are like, oh, we get to use them, them? Amazing. Like they're so excited about it. Um, so, yeah. How's how's this whole thing go down? I mean, the cops come through the windows. Bucky tries to block the door with a table. It doesn't work out. Uh, Steve begs Bucky, don't kill anyone. And Bucky's like, I'm not going to kill anyone. And then he proceeds to use a cinder block on a guy's head. Pretty sure that's going to kill somebody. Well, yeah. Uh, he's got a different understanding of what kills people. He also punches a hole in the floor, grabs his go bag, and yeets it out the window and onto the leaves roof. leaves it out the door. window. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, just watching t- watching two super soldiers do their thing is just fucking amazing. You need, they're right? their own army at this point. Uh, they go into the stairwell, so that's another... <laughs> yeah, that's that's ding on doing crazy shit in the stairwell. And that's for like the next solid three minutes of this yeah. film. Um, Bucky is just racking up dings like crazy. He's already got a ding on the Peggy Carter impromptu weaponry counter. Uh, he hit a dude with Steve. Yep. Like yeah. He swung. He hit a motherfucker with another motherfucker. Yeah. And true. so there's that. The cinder block is impromptu weaponry. Yeah. Once they get through the door and out into the stairwell, he picks up the cop's doorbuster. And uses that to punch people with. Which hurts and kills people. Right. Yeah, Bucky's not good at the subdual damage thing. Yeah, he's not sure. <laughs> like, look, he's a trained assassin, not not a trained right. soft puncher person. At one point, he throws a guy over the rail, and the guy's going to take a header all the way down to the bottom of the stairs. He will definitely die. Yeah. Steve catches him, looks at Bucky, and goes, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> love it but steve is also following through him through this fight and covering for him yeah like he's crushing cops radios and stuff i fucking love steve rogers <laughs> so yeah so uh yeah so they they eventually get to a point where bucky gets out of the stairwell yeah he takes like a running leap over to the next building and he fucking just jumps across the buildings this is like some super superhero shit yeah, yeah. And and uh Steve is trying to chase after him. Bucky is gonna get away, it seems like. He there is right. nobody on the next building that can stop him or is there. The best the coolest fucking thing about this, and like shout out to the Russos for doing this, um, because the 
This is outdoors, so they have to manage angles and light and everything. You see Bucky's shadow as he is running towards his bag, and it's cast out in front of him because the sun is behind him. And right. he sees another shadow come over behind him. And that's the only reason he didn't get his fucking head ripped off right then. Wow. Because he saw the shadow of the approach of a guy in a big black cat suit. <laughs> the only reason he was able to duck out of the way is because he saw the shadow. It was fucking amazing. I love it. Um, but yeah, he's being attacked by a dude who is just as fast and strong as him, and he has claws. Vibranium claws, it would seem. It's clearly vibranium. Oh, because, also his yeah. fucking suit is completely bulletproof. Well, yeah, that's the thing is, um, you know, they're tussling around and Cat takes a flying leaf to join them on the roof. A helicopter comes rolling in and fires live fucking bullet rounds on these guys. Yeah. And Bucky rolls out of the way. But the cat guy just turns and looks at the helicopter. Now, these bullets should be rocking him back, even if they're not going to pierce the armor. Yeah. But they, they don't. don't. And that's how you know that shit's vibranium, because it's absorbing all of that impact. I love that. Oh, I love I love vibranium. Um, anyway, Sam comes flying in and just kicks the chopper out of the air. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. That's cool. Um and by now, uh, the chase is moving to the street level. Bucky jumps down. Uh, the the Black Panther dude, like, claws all the way down the side of the building. He's down at the street level, and Cap is right behind them. And now they are running on foot. And it turns out two super soldiers and a cat guy can run as fast as cars on the street. Absolutely. But uh, they not, 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 none of them want to do that for long because they still have to use so much energy. So Steve does grab a car. Mm-hmm. which the Black Panther will jump on top of to ride. Right. And that's uh, a ding on the fight scene involving a vehicle thing. Correct. Yeah. And then um, Bucky. Real quick. Yeah. Do you know how, because we see, we get a shot of Bucky running. He's like in a tunnel situation and he's running past moving cars that are moving. It's not like the cars are standing still and they're like, look at him go. He's so fast. All of this shit is moving at the same time. Do you know how they filmed? No. Bucky running super fucking fast. I assume it was a green screen situation they were on the street now the cars a lot of the cars were digitally added not all of them but a lot of them but that's actually either him or his stunt double running it's just that you know you know how at the airport they will have those like moving sidewalks yeah where you if you stand on it then you're just going to putt putt along at the speed of the sidewalk but if you walk on it then you are walking twice as fast as a normal person walking they put a flat escalator on the ground for him to run. He's running on a giant treadmill. God damn it. That's why he's able to appear to run that fast. I can't imagine what trying to stop at the end of that treadmill looks yeah, like. Yeah, like how do you not get hurt? That had to have been the stunt guy because there had to have been like a pile of pillows. Oh, absolutely. At the end of that or something. Oh my because gosh. holy shit. But yeah, that's how they did that. Also, um, the way that they do Sam whenever he takes off and he's like leaping off of a building to go fly. Yeah. As one does. Um, that's usually just Anthony Mackie or his stunt double flinging themselves off of something. And then shortly below them is a pad for them to land on. But they are just whee, off into the I, air and then hit. Good Lord. Yeah. Sometimes there's wires. Sometimes there's not. But yeah, they're just flinging themselves. How fucking fun does that sound, though? Uh, Who's going to jump and like land if on If I were in my 20s, pad? I would say, oh, that sounds fun. But with in my 40s, no. <laughs> I, mean, I might in my 40s do it once or twice and then be like, that was my hip. I got to go die. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, my back, <laughs> my knees, my back, my arms. Anyway, so yes, Steve has a car. He's got T'Challa on his car. What's going on? 
Uh, uh, let me look. Steve has Black Panther in the car. Bucky decides he's not running anymore. <laughs> and he just grabs their motorcycle from a cyclist. That cyclist is clear is going to be dead. Dead, I, yeah. But this motorcycle grab it was hot. is the sexiest shit I have ever seen in my life. In my in my notes, oh. I have. I want to grow up to be that motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I live a good and wholesome life and eat all my vegetables, someday I can be the motorcycle <laughs> that Bucky Barnes grabs off the street. In Bucharest. It's amazing. It's hot. Uh, it's yeah, so, so smooth, man. Oh. So, Buck, so Bucky is driving forward. He b- busts out a bomb. and he Yeah, decide- he's got like a little sticky uh, explodey. Sure. sure. Uh, so he's going to throw the bomb on the ceiling, hoping to create some kind of like like temp- like wall so he can get away. It does not work. Uh, Black Panther jumps oh, through the rubble. Right, right before that, though, in the tunnel, uh, the Black Panther guy manages to get to Bucky on the motorcycle and they're oh, right. fighting, giving us another ding on the fight on top of a moving vehicle. God only it's, it. <laughs> it's these two on a motorcycle, which right. I feels like the worst vehicle to have a fight on top of. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the boom goes off. It drops a bunch of rubble on the street, which definitely stops any cars from coming behind them. It doesn't stop Black Panther from flinging himself through the rubble and it doesn't stop Steve who brings his car to a screeching halt and then just leaps out of it. And, and as the car is rolling, he's like running forward. Right. Steve is outrunning his own crashing SUV to try and tackle the Black Panther guy who has taken a swipe at Bucky's tire to crash him off of the motorcycle. It's a lot. It's a lot. Normally we don't go blow by blow through action, but you guys, this is so good. It's so good. <laughs> Anyway, Steve tackles the cat guy, and everybody is now at a standstill on the street. The cops have rolled in. Boom! War machine lands on the scene. Uh Uh-oh. And and, and he's holding up his repulsor hands at everybody. Yeah, he's like, hold right there. He looks at Captain and says, Congratulations, Cap. You're a criminal. Shut up, Rhodey. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. Nobody likes you. Look, I love Rhodey, and I love Don Cheadle, but shut up, Rhodey. Right. God right. damn it. You know this is wrong. Exactly. You. And, anyway, and- everyone's under arrest, but the cat guy retracts his claws back into his gloves, and then he takes off his cat helmet. It's T'Challa. <gasps> it's the what? Prince of Wakanda. Okay. Your Highness. Your Highness. <laughs> War Machine yeah. says. Exactly. And... That's where we're going to end our discussion of this movie for the day. But wow. like, holy shit, the Russos can direct the shit out of an action sequence. No kidding, right? Fuck. I love it's it. It's so good. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, this movie really is like the Russos dipped their toe with Winter Soldier into taking superhero movies into different tones and different genres and different stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and they're bringing some of that here. And like, and, and so now it's not just superheroes and like good guy versus bad guy. It's very much like, what are your global implications? Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of gray area. What are the movie. consequences of your actions? Right. Who's right and who's wrong? Unclear. I love it. You know, I just, it's really good. So it's a complicated movie. Surprisingly complicated because it's a goddamn superhero movie. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I love it. Anyway, um, I'm looking to see if I... Oh, you know who we didn't talk about except to say that he's sexy? The uh, guy who? playing Zemo. Oh! 
<laughs> so hey, real quick before we close out for the day, Zemo is played by Daniel Bruhl. Mm-hmm. Now, this guy, before he was even like walking as an infant, had more culture than I've gotten in my entire 42 <laughs> years on this earth. What? He was born in Barcelona, Spain. His father was German, who was born in Brazil. And like, er, how many Germans are from Brazil? How did the Germans get to Brazil, Chris? Uh, Why I is am- there a German population in Brazil, Chris? Well, because the whole Nazis needed somewhere to yeah. go yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, we don't talk about that, though. <laughs> yeah, no, we just did. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying I am not saying Daniel Bruhl's father was a Nazi. I'm saying that's why there are pockets of German populations in South American countries. Correct. Moving on. Um, so his father was German. His mother was Spanish. And they lived in Barcelona and then moved to Germany where he grew up. Shocking. Look at all this. Uh, Daniel Bruhl was a very prolific, is, is a very prolific actor. He mm-hmm. has tons of credits in German, which I will not embarrass myself by trying to say. No, don't do that. As far as American films, he was in Two Days in Paris, The Bourne Ultimatum, Inglorious Bastards, and The Cloverfield Paradox, and now he's Baron Zemo. Hi, Dad. He's he's so sexy. I Mm -hmm. love him. I love him. Okay, that's it. I don't have anything else. I have left it all on the field. I've got nothing else. Lord. Um, Do you have anything else? No, I do not. Okay. Then um, next time we will be talking about the next what thirty minutes of this movie? <laughs> I don't uh, know. A- hour and a half. I don't. I don't know. We're gonna figure it out. But I thought we were doing this in thirds. There's an hour are... and a half left in the movie. We're not doing all of it next podcast episode. No, we can't. Uh, probably next forty five minutes. Uh, I'll try to figure out the separation because there's okay. a lot of shit. That, there's a lot more shit that happens right after. We're this. doing it's things really in quick insane. succession, but yeah. this this the next episode will not be the next next week. No, because we're doing uh, Thanksgiving. We're taking a week off for Thanksgiving. We'll be back at you guys again after the holidays. But so you don't miss us too much. And because what we (laughs) traditionally like to do at the holiday times is um, we know that there are people, particularly uh, marginalized people or, you know, LGBT uh, people, our people uh, who have our listeners. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who have shitty family that they now have to, through some kind of holiday obligation, spend time with. And look, that sucks. So what we want to do is arm you with a playlist. And we consulted with our patrons about this. Um, a playlist of our raunchiest, filthiest, most political, least socially acceptable moments from both <laughs> of our podcasts over the years. And so you can go through this playlist. You can We're going to try and provide timestamps too. And you can go through it and you can listen to it either to yourself to sort of pretend that we, your new aunties, are there with you at this gathering or... If you really need to, just pull out the headphones and let it play aloud and freak out your creepy uncle. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's that's my plan for that. Anyway, be keeping an eye out on our social medias leading up to Thanksgiving. We will provide you with that. But we will not be doing an episode. We will not be providing you with a new episode. Yeah, week. we're, we're going to be taking the week off for the yeah. holidays. And but then we'll be, be back at you after that. Oh, yeah. For with sure. More with more Civil War. With more, more. Captain America Civil War. Okay. Are we ready to outro then? I am ready. Okay. We were born ready. Bobby's ready. (laughs) I'm so tired. Okay. (laughs) 
Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We super appreciate that. If you would like to hang out with us in between episodes, you totally can in most places. Uh, You can find (laughs) us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and until it burns to the ground, Twitter (laughs) as at Marvelous underscore Divas. You can also subscribe to our podcast via your favorite podcast platform of choice. Please subscribe. Please leave a review. Please tell your friends about us. Hopefully you have them. Uh, also, <laughs> wrong with you. I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, if, also, we have a YouTube channel where we do some video stuff with some awesome people under our Dark, Dark Side Divas brand. Just mm-hmm. do a search for Dark Side Divas. We do talk about Marvel stuff there. Check it out. Uh, we also have a swag store, uh, redbubble.com mm-hmm. forward slash official divas. You can buy Marvelous Divas mugs, t shirts. Phone, ca- phone cases, right? Phone cases, right. Yeah, okay. yeah, that shit's all on there. Yeah, it's all on there. All of it. And then last but certainly not least, we have a uh, Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash Divas Podcast, where we do video versions of our shows, uh, as well as special content, special events, a Discord channel that's super awesome, full of super awesome people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it for now. I think that's it. Yeah. 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 Okay, then we can we can go. We can say bye. All right. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Okay, Okay, bye, guys. We'll see you next time after Thanksgiving. Okay, (laughs) anyway, bye. bye. You know what? <laughs> so I'm going to derail your story real quick. Um, our friend uh, Chad from back in the college days. Oh, yeah. Has a fun story he likes to tell. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> about the time that he was just just spontaneously in the shower decided to shave his balls. But he didn't have like a like a ball shaving gel. And he just lived with a bunch of dudes at the time. So it's not like there was any feminine products. Oh no. So he was like, well, the stuff that you use to shave your face, that could just work. It's for shaving. Nope. 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 You could use that on your balls. He forgot that there's like menthol. Yeah. (laughs) In the face shaving stuff. It burns. It's supposed to like contract your pores and stuff. I don't fucking know. Yeah. So he slathers that all over his balls. (laughs) (laughs) And and then he did what he called the freshly shorn minty ball cowboy dance to get out of the shower. (laughs) I can love it. Uh, Pro tip, y'all. Don't don't use don't use There's face shaving special stuff. special shaving cream, guys. To shave your for balls. That. It shouldn't be minty. <laughs> <laughs>